0: Watch episode 20. Rob here. On this episode, Darren Lundberg from NostalgiaCast joins us to discuss 1961's West Side Story and 2021's West Side Story. Uh, remake made 50 years, released at least 50 years uh, after its predecessor. How do these two movies compare? What, Which one does what better and worse than the other? We're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more on this episode. This is this is a really kind of exciting uh approach to these films, I think. So stay tuned for that. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers as well as CricketTable.com. Go ahead and give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode. For now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailers for West Side Story 1961 and West Side Story 2021. And then jump into our conversation about those two films, West Side Story. <laughs> Who are you? Wonderful.
1: If you go with him, no one will ever forgive you. Life matters.
0: Welcome to the Close Watch, the show where we get to know our guests through the movies they love. On this episode, we'll be talking 1961's West Side Story and 2021's West Side Story as we keep working our way through movie musicals throughout 2023. And I am honored to welcome back to the show Darren Lundberg of NostalgiaCast. Welcome, sir.
1: Hi, Rob. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Excited to talk about this interesting pair of films. You know, the, the we're, we'll have a lot to talk about especially oh, yeah. you know <laughs> with the the concept of the remake of uh, a classic movie musical and all that stuff I, I think there's a lot of interesting topics to dig into but before we get to that tell people about nostalgia cast and why they need to be listening
1: okay well again this this isn't our first rodeo together obviously i think we were just recently the, the recent one was dark night where we chatted what was it five hours It feels like (laughs) about about everything, but yeah. So anybody that listens in the best way, but anybody that listens to Crooked Table, like obviously knows you and I have pretty good rapport. We've chatted before, both on your show and mine, but with nostalgia cast, you know, same thing. We, we just, Johnny and I, we, we tackled these movies. Originally we started the, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, we started the show with like, well, let's look at movies that we you know, watched in the '80s that we really loved, and let's talk about those. And we we you know we talked about Flash Gordon, we talk about like Raising Arizona, we talk about um, you know all these all these different things that we watched when we were little. The problem with that I, I figured out was that yeah, they're they're great but sometimes it's hard to come up with things to say about them like you're nostalgic for all these things but that's the point of our show is to be like well what works now versus what worked then all these things but what we've noticed this season johnny had the brilliant idea to start covering 90s centric movies and so that's what we've been doing It's it's been so fun because instead of struggling to come up with things to, to make relevant about these old 80s or 70s movies these 90s movies was what johnny and i honed our movie chops on when we were growing up when we were teenagers just being able to revisit these movies and how they made us fall in love with movies it's been so fun we've had great guests we've got obviously a uh, certain robert yannis jr is going to be up for our <laughs> season kind of season finale or finale finale something like that anyway with a with a movie we haven't yet announced yet but you know that was fun having you on. Just being able to chat about why these movies mean so much to us, from the perspective of they've affected us personally and made us fall in love with movies, and that's what we're doing right now. And I, I don't know what we're going to do for the next couple of seasons. I know Johnny wants to tackle '70s movies, but we'll see how popular that is. <laughs> the '90s <laughs> movies yeah. seem to be a lot of people's bread and butter, so that's what we're could, what we're up to.
0: Not, not the '90s part two. Yeah, the '90s revisit them. There's plenty of them to get to. So yeah, well, I think it's more of
1: mean. There was a resistance to talking about movies, and then talking about Mm -hmm. Back to the Future and talking about Princess Bride, and it was like, you know what? It is fun to talk about. You can be nostalgic for classics, and it's just that love you have for these movies that can translate, as opposed to trying to come up with something new to say about them. It's that love that we feel for them. I think that's been the most fun to revisit. So we're we're definitely not going to be as resistant to tackle '90s movies. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of nostalgia, we're talking about where are you, where do you feel, where are you landing generally with movie musicals? What is kind of your, your feel for movie musicals? What's your history with them sort of growing up and, uh, and how, how has your appreciation from them changed over time?
1: Well, obviously, like being a man, I'm saying that like in air quotes, right? Like when you're a man, like admitting that you like musicals is not something that like a lot of people, you know, back when I was growing up, that's not something you'd freely admit, because that's right. you get stigmatized or something like that. But Again, talking about 90s movies, I just I don't like the idea of just attaching yourself to one genre. There's so much joy and so many treasures in every genre, from horror to westerns to sci-fi to romantic comedies, that to close yourself off from that doesn't make any sense to me. So musicals are part of the cinematic language. It's, it's every bit apart as a horror movie, right, or an action movie, which musicals, I think, are closest maybe to action movies in that it's the same thing, like in an action movie – Somebody will there'll be emotions that'll bu- that'll bubble up and then it'll break out into a car chase or a gunfight. It's the same thing with musicals like it, But yeah, there's there's something that's a little, I guess, like when you're a alpha male type of person. <laughs> right. There's something that's a little off putting about characters breaking into song that you're like, oh, what is this? I, I can't admit that I like this. Right. <laughs> But it's just, you know, you have to give yourself over to these things. It's an expression. It's a genre. It's a it's a way of cinematic storytelling, just like a horror movie is. You can't discount these things. But and, you know what I mean? There's just so many treasures to find. It's the same thing, though, as like I don't, you know, I don't attach myself to just one filmmaker because being a, a Spielberg fan, which we'll talk about, obviously, like mm-hmm. he can direct a bad movie. There's nothing saying he I'm not like that. I can't I'm not going to say that they're everybody's flawless and everybody's perfect. And so it's the same thing with musicals. Like there's good musicals, there's bad musicals, there's musicals I enjoy. There's musicals that I don't ever want to watch again or don't want to bother with. Right. So I just take them as a, as another genre to watch and appreciate and to have filmmakers tell me certain things with visuals, or with music or sound that I wouldn't get in another genre. I don't know if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I like, I love the parallel between uh, musicals and Action, Because that's the kind of, that's the exact same kind of connection that you could put to, that a lot of people apply to comedy and horror, because it's all about breaking the tension and surprising the audience with something funny or terrifying. That's why I like people like Jordan Peele move over. So I think that's kind of connections between genres is really interesting. And then uh, even, you know, even setting aside these sort of stereotypical gender norms of, well, that's not for guys, that kind of thing. I think there are... There is a, there are two types of people who's, who sit down with musicals who either, like you either love them or hate them a lot of times. I feel like you're either yeah. able to s- suspend your disbelief and just take on take on that ride of, uh, you know, of having people break into song. And even though that that does not fit, you know, real world logic and, or you're not, or you're not able to, because in my, you know, in my house, my wife, not a fan of musicals. She's just like, mm, I really? don't understand. Why are they singing? <laughs> yeah. Why are they singing? Like it does, it's just, she's, she's more focused on like that. It doesn't make sense. Why would that be like, she's very practical in that way. And I'm, so spoilers for anyone who listens to the show. I have more of my head in the clouds. I'm more the dreamer and the romantic <laughs> in a lot of ways and stuff like that. So I'm like, it's a movie. <laughs> it's just that they, that's how they express their emotion. When they don't, when they don't know how, how to say things, they sing things and it's just the way it is. So, yeah, that's where we land on that. And it's been an interesting evolution for me to like starting out growing up with things like Little Shop of Horrors, which I've already covered on this show, uh, to more recently, things like Hamilton on Disney Plus, which I'm obsessed with, uh, (laughs) and In the Heights, which I've already covered on the show, uh, where it's just like more recent, the last few years, I've just really started to realize I've gone from I like musicals. Depends on the musical. too. I guess I like musicals in general. Now. <laughs> um, <laughs> has have you has, have you sort of uh, ha- got a, a greater or lesser appreciation for the genre in more recent years? Because it it is as far at least on the big screen, and we'll talk about this when we get to the remake of West Side Story. It has kind of struggled to remain in the mainstream. I think.
1: I mean, relevant, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think my appreciation has grown, obviously, but just like my appreciation for all movies have grown it, it's a you know you say that some people reject the idea of the musical because their brains just can't process it right. right and that's fine but other people just can't process horror movies it, it's it's funny that somebody who loves horror but hate musicals will look at somebody that hates horror and go or did i get that somebody who loves horror but hates musicals right. will look at somebody that that hates horror but loves musicals and think that that's weird or that's strange right? Yeah. But it's like your, but your thought process is the same. Like you can't judge somebody on that because you're, you're judging the same way that they're judging. It's like, yeah. you just have to be open to, and I, you know, I'm not going to tell somebody they're an idiot because they don't like musicals. And there's just, I think it's an interesting thing because uh, Howard Ashman always said that it's easier for an animated movie to have characters that sing than for a mm-hmm. real life or Absolutely. live action to sing, because then your brain doesn't have that far to travel. Like if a talking crab all of a sudden starts singing, it's like, "Oh, well, he was talking already, like you know it's it's not out of the ordinary, like it makes sense <laughs> right, and so it it's just for an animated part, I think it's way easier to watch an animated movie and and feel that than it is to watch like real people like just breaking his up, which is again, it's a weird conundrum because you take cartoons that are it's it's easier to watch a cartoon that breaks into music and it's hard to watch a live action that breaks into music but then you do a re- live action remake of a cartoon which is what Disney's doing and you have them break into song it's just it that's another thing that just bends my brain <laughs> with these disney remakes it's like it's you're adding another level that's making it too complicated as it is like it's hard for oh instead of talking all of a sudden these people have lyrics and melodies that they're singing along with right it's like you just have you have to get used to that but it's there's just this weird stigma the same way that people think that animated movies can't be cinema people think the musicals can't be so it's just it's a weird mindset to be in if you're going to close yourself off from appreciating what something has not not every western is going to be great and profound right not every mm-hmm. horror movie is going to be profound but there are nuggets and there are treasures in every genre that I, I, I you can't shut yourself off from that it doesn't make any sense and musicals it's an expression another cinematic language of an action movie or of a you know serial killer the kills you see in the, the horror movie it's it's the same thing just expressed differently
0: yeah it's also with musicals i think you you run into sometimes the stumbling block of the genre of music as well so if you're not into show tunes west side story might not do it for you but if you're into you know hair metal you rock of ages from 20 yeah. what is it 2011 2012 right, right. that that might be your jam that you that might be accessible or if it's a musical in which it's mostly uh, the music is mostly diegetic that's performed in the film like Sing Street or something like that. Yeah. Then then you're like okay I get it they're in concert it's fine whereas you know in this one it's just people just yeah singing as they're walking around as they're rumbling and like dance fighting basically and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite musical in general before we get to this particular one?
1: Well, I think we chatted before. Like, if I was to say, I think my sentimental favorite is West Side Story, just because, and we'll, we'll chat about why. But um, another one is uh, Love Me Tonight. I think if if I was to say, like, the most uh, uh, well made and maybe influential horror uh, not horror musical. Let me look this up. I want it nineteen thirty two. is when it was made, but it's it's black and white. Obviously, it's a uh, Ruben Mamoulian, M- I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's it's a hit production from him. But it's it's I love that movie because it's, I don't know. There's just the diegetic music. It becomes, what's the opposite of the diegetic. I'm losing the word. Like if you're, yeah,
0: I'm not sure.
1: You, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. where you don't, it's not part of the fabric of the film, but then exactly. in love me tonight. There are parts where there, it seems like it's not part of the fabric, but then characters will start singing. There's a part in the beginning where it has one character singing something. Then somebody walks past the window or something, and they, they start singing the song. So they pass it along. It's so it, it plays with the That's format cool. really well. And so it's really cool and really fun movie to watch. I really, a lot of people, don't um, know about it I think it's on Kino I have my Kino copy up there somewhere but it's really fun and it's influential and it it plays with the format like I said in ways that might interest people that don't usually find musicals interesting but West Side Story is and that's the reason I wanted to talk about it not only because it's a (laughs) it's funny because watching both versions um, and I think you felt the same way Robert is that Oh, I wasn't prepared. There's actually a lot that we need to process here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, there's a lot. to. It's not just, and I don't know. I think maybe that's why I like West Side Story, because it causes so much conversation. It's not as great, and maybe I'll swing back to this, but as great as Singing in the Rain is, which is maybe the one of the ultimate musicals uh, top five definitely it's Mm -hmm. just fun and then you leave the theater giddy like there's nothing really to talk about other than how much you like the music and there's some meta stuff with you know um you know people being dubbed and things like that i think it's interesting that marnie nixon like or or not marnie nixon but the actress that plays the um the rival in, in singing in the rain. She they get rid of her because she doesn't have a good voice, and they have Debbie right. Reynolds voice her, but it's actually the actress that plays the bad, the actress that they kick out that that has to dub Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, that's it's hilarious. Just, it's so very meta and it's so fun. But you know what I mean? It's it's a joyful, I think most musicals is just joyful. You walk in, you get, you're on a high yeah. from the music. West Side story is not that. And I <laughs> no. it, it is that, but then it's not. So there's there's right. a lot of electric stuff, but there's also very profound, hard to process, hard to swallow, hard to fathom kind of stuff. And I think that's why it's my favorite because it's a little bit of everything. It's not just, you can't just brush it off. That's why even though people despise it, love it to despise it, it's still being talked about today because I think the topics in it are are important. So um, yeah, oddly enough, my favorite, sentimental favorite would be West Side Story and that's why we're talking about it. Yeah.
0: No, it's uh, I I just on the other show on Franchise Detours, my other show, we just I just finished covering nine Planet of the Apes movies, which all (laughs) have that ending where you're like, oh, Now I'm feeling (laughs) a little depressed now. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 crazy how West Side Story falls more into that camp than (laughs) uh, than a lot of other musicals do. Right, right. Uh, So, yeah. So we're going to be talking, obviously, 1961's West Side Story directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins, uh, who also did the choreography. And, yep. uh, this, you know, this thing won 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Supporting Actress, Supporting Actor, uh, many, many others. So when did you first see West Side Story? Why did you know why does it continue to resonate with you? Let's start there.
1: OK, well, the first time I saw it and again, I was just talking to my wife about this. I remember specifically because I watched watching the ending of the 61 version over the weekend. I had these, you know, you get a whoosh of feeling of remembrance of memory that kind of comes at Mm you. And I remember it was in elementary school, I can't remember what grade it was, but it was all kids that weren't, you know, old enough to process a lot of the, the deeper themes, right? And, you know, you show stuff like, like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate whatever the 1970 uh, version Yeah, Willy
0: called. Wonka. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's the stuff that kids are more mentally prepared for. And I don't remember. I know it showed it to a class, not to the whole grade that I was in. But we sat down, we watched it in the musical. And, you know, you expect kids to be rambunctious. And, yeah, the, the dancing is electric and you you get wrapped, wrapped up in it and you lose yourself to it. But I remember that ending. You know, when again, spoilers, if you haven't seen West Side Story for whatever reason, but an 80 year old movie, but you know, you are not 80, 60 year but you, am I getting the math right? My math is terrible. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's like 60. Yeah. Like now it's 62, I guess. 62. Yeah. 62 okay. year old movie. When you watch something about racism, like I think that racism and bigotry, that's not, you don't come out of the womb feeling that stuff. And I'm I'm not the only person that feels, it has to be ingrained. It has to be taught to you. There's that meme of the, like the white little kid and the black little kid running towards each other, like with their arms outstretched and they just hug each other because they don't Mm -hmm. see not to sound um, offensive or anything, but they don't see color. They just see a friend, right? Yeah. It has to be taught to you. And so I remember when Tony is shot and it's just Maria just holding him singing somewhere. And as a, you know, like I said, it's a bunch of rambunctious kids, but I remember specifically, we all just sat in utter silence watching this happen. And I remember, I can't speak for anybody else, but I remember feeling angry and feeling upset and feeling so sad that you see mm-hmm. Maria and Tony who are above the the racial stuff and, and all this and just want a better life and how they they knew it and they recognized that each other. And it was just ripped from them because there's this hate that you have no control over. And I just remember sitting as a little kid, like a, like ten years old or something like that, just sitting watching and just being torn apart. Finally realizing that there's racism and there's hate and there's things that you yeah. can't control. And it's just it's been a profound experience, more profound than watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? It's it's right. like it, it 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 hits you in the gut and in the heart. And I just like I said, I remember specifically sitting in utter silence. With other kids who are sitting in utter silence, just trying to process what I was watching, and again, it was a, a waking, like an eye-opening moment. And so that's my first experience with it. And then revisiting it more as an adult, you start to appreciate the choreography and the way that the music is kind of structured and the, the story that's built around it, and how it's oh, this is a Romeo and Juliet adaptation. Yeah. You know, all these all these things that. that I don't know, like all that stuff is secondary compared to learning about racism in a movie for the first time and having that be your first real, because again, I've I've said this on our show recently, our our mutual friend, Wen Lei, who is on for, we cover the fifth element. I chatted with him extensively about how I'm half Chinese, but I never felt like the prejudice that he would have felt because I I don't look Chinese. I look, like I said, I looked, I had a friend that I'm still friends with, a lifelong friend that she thought I was Italian until I was like 30 something she's like you're not italian i'm like no <laughs> because even my mom who's full chinese like she's right. a she was a postal worker her hair is was dyed like brown so she didn't look chinese she didn't talk chinese so she didn't know right yeah. so i never had to face that prejudice so even though you might be confronted with racism or, or prejudice like earlier in your life as a as someone who didn't look completely chinese and didn't have to face that like this was as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, whatever, this was my first time facing that and having it be a realization that that was a thing that was going to have to be dealt with. And wow, that's a profound moment for a little kid.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no. And this is, I mean, this is one that I grew up with a lot too. And then it's, when you're a kid, you—you when you're a kid and when you grow up around a movie like this, to an extent, I feel like you don't necessarily see the big picture. Like for me, as a kid watching this movie, I was sad because oh, Tony, not Tony, they were gonna yeah. go gonna run away together, and it's sad because of the music and everything. And uh, obviously, this is a movie that both of these movies. This is a movie that I still cry every when I watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and multiple, a couple different points, but especially the end. Right. But as an adult watching it, you're like. My, I don't want to, I'm trying not to curse on here as much. He's like, son of a bitch, you know, yeah, yeah. like these two people who feel a connection, like you said, who's rise above and, and must see what they have in common, uh, as opposed to what makes them different. Intrinsically, I, they, right. They feel it yeah.
1: intrinsically. Yeah. And, no,
0: that, and I, that's definitely, a, we'll circle back to that in a second. Yeah. It's they, even they can't, they can't escape. Like people who, who, uh, prioritize love their struggle to, do so in a world filled with hate. And that's what, that's why the, to me, that's why this movie probably continues to resonate. And that's probably why Spielberg felt like this was a a story that needed to be told again, which we'll get to, but that's, that's an element of their romance that I think definitely separates this story and this version of this story from, from the other one is that this movie really, and I guess it's just because it's of the time that was in which it was made and the approach to big Hollywood musicals around that uh, around that era is that it's almost like out of their control they see each other across the dance floor and everyone else is blurred out it's just like everyone disappears
1: literally And,
0: and yeah literally and the two of them do you know they're dancing and no one else is there and it's like something takes over them. Like, they, they're they like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I never thought, you know, I would feel this. You know, it's its almost otherworldly, the way that it, it happens, the way that it plays out in this film. And I think, in a way, it's its what makes their romance more believable and yeah. and more, more romanticized from a, you know, a storytelling <laughs> perspective, uh-huh. is that it, it feels less believable, but also more believable at the same time. You know what I mean? Because yeah, right. you see movies all the time where people suddenly, like, Oh, you know, I love at first sight. I see you from across the room, and and you know that's the one version of the story. But here, it's it's almost like even they're acknowledging it in the movie. Like I, how I, how did this this is ridiculous? Like we just met, and yeah. yet I want to be with you forever. You know, and, and I and I love that 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 aspect of it. it. It's they're two young people who are caught up in something bigger than themselves, which is yeah. you know the bond, that the love that they share. And I think that's right. that's why I think that's why i think in a way this the maria tony love story is sh- stronger in the original film than in the remake cuz the remake i feel like and we will you know we'll get to this so we're kind of jumping around a little now the remake it, it we're feels like it's it, it, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> mambo <laughs> the remake grounds it a lot more and it tries to sort of it, it applies a, a very a more modern aesthetic to the the conflict but to also to their love story and i feel like it almost plays more strongly in the original film because of exactly what you said. Like they're they're just overtaken by by their emotions in that way. Did you feel that watching it this time? Especially, it was a really weird uh, experience watching these two like a couple days apart and, and noting all the differences.
1: Well, uh, we keep saying this. We'll circle back to it, but I think yeah. what's great is that both of these movies can exist and be yes. separate entities and teach you sure. the same lesson, but in different ways. And that's like. I'm, I'm not against remakes. I'm against remakes that just, I'm going to keep bringing this up. The reason that these Disney live action things just piss me off to no end is you're, you're remaking a specific thing in a specific way. And then you're adding things to correct issues that you yourself see that aren't necessarily there. Right. right. And that seems to be also just to make a ton of money, like a crap ton of money. That's well, the, mostly the, that. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly that. And so it's just, it's unnerving to me and it's frustrating. I can't watch those movies because it's a cynical way of, of doing. I think with the remake here, Spielberg has something sincere that he he he's always wanted to direct a musical, right? And his like I said, his more than that 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 uh Sam the uh the uh, dichotomy that I was trying to bring up about how an action movie feels like a musical. I feel that more during Spielberg's West Side Story than any other musical because Spielberg's well known for being a great action director, right? Yeah. He's yeah. just applying that same thing to a musical format. It's the same thing just a different again, different cinematic language. So it's great that each of these teach different things. There are some things that we'll talk about that I think that the, with the romance, I think the remake does better. Because the 61, the main, and even the play, the main argument from the play, which I've seen in, in some high school productions, some like regional a production so I've seen different ver- not just the movies and mm-hmm. and it's great that you can take these and you can do different versions of the same story but in an in your own way or in just like the traditional way that the play did it stuff like that but just seeing the Tony Maria they've always been criticized for kind of being vanilla especially when You know, I don't watch West Side Story particularly for Tony and Maria, even though I watch for Bernardo, I watch for Anita, I watch for Riff. They're the fun characters, and the the ones with the real—they're wrestling with real stuff, and how they deal with it is more—it hurts, like having watching them, right? So that's always been the draw. But I think that Tony Maria, the reason they feel so vanilla, and like I said, the the remake tries to correct this a little bit, and I think it works and doesn't work in a way. But they're avatars for us. Mm -hmm. right they we can apply it's not just that you know tony's not a specific doing a specific job he doesn't have a specific name coming from a specific family he's like one of us maria is the same way we can apply all of they're like a blank canvas that we can apply ourselves to right and so that's interesting watching the remake versus the original and, and feeling different things from them and applying different you know empathy levels or different feelings that we have because it's like I said, they're a blank canvas. They're us. They're they're looking above the situation. They're that's us because we're like, well, I would never get, give into racism. I would never give in to hate, right? Like I want to escape. I want to be Luke Skywalker looking at those twin sons. Like that's me, right? If you get a little more specific, that kind of kind of limits your perspective in a way. Like it's harder for me to identify with Riff, say, than it is to identify with Tony because Tony's just anybody right i can just that's i could just put myself an well issue. any
0: anybody's is a different character Which yeah yeah that's
1: okay oh, yeah, <laughs> well we can talk about that too i thought that was a funny yeah question. but yeah definitely. i don't know i think they're the, both the relationships to kind of we'll circle way back to your original question there are yeah. different aspects to both of those relationships that i think work. i think the 61 works better as a vanilla type these are just us these are the 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 avatars for us to find our way into the story and the se- the remake is the same except they give them more specific story threads and arcs right. to overcome. So I think they're good but in different ways.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think yeah, I think the love story it it it, it still resonates for the reason that you said, I think, because it, it's it's just the right kind of sentimental. I feel like yeah. if it, it uh, it's it's a fine line, I think, but I think it definitely works here. Right. I also love the the I I always forget when I watch the original film how pure the visual storytelling is that, that we don't get we don't get really dialogue until like 15 minutes in mm-hmm. or in a, a song until well over 20 minutes in like i always think that that sort of slow burn uh intro is is really uh is really kind of interesting and really kind of um, emphasizes the uh the production design and sort of the the craft of the film is there, are there how how any of that that we want to speak to before we move yeah, on? Yeah, well, that?
1: obviously, you know, if we're going to talk about like stuff we love, I think you you wanted yeah. to make that a main topic. Yeah, I want but... to.
0: Yeah, we'll get the fun. We'll get the you know. This is considered widely considered one of the great Hollywood musicals. Obviously, right, all the right. Oscars and claim that I said. So let's get all of that out of the way, and then we'll get to the more the more spicy <laughs> stuff. stuff. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Well. To, that's a great place to start though, because like I said, it's, it's hard, like seven brides for seven brothers. I love, I love them, it's so fun. Like Howard Keel and it's just so fun to watch. Right. But the problem with that movie is that it starts off with dialogue, like regular dialogue. So for Howard Keel to suddenly bless your beautiful heart, you know, just break into that. It's like, Whoa, yeah. my mind just had to do a re, I had to rewire. Right. Because it, it just talking, it gets you into a mode. That when they start seeing all of a sudden, your brain has to okay. What am I watching? It was a musical, but I forgot for a second, right? What I've always loved, and this is one of the main reasons why West Side Story is my favorite, is that it starts you off with those that aesthetic, with that mm-hmm. fantasy kind of um, operatic. What's the word I'm looking for? It's 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 not real. It starts off with the with them snapping. It starts off with them dancing, them dance fighting, right? Basically, that, yeah. Before any dialogue, it starts you off with that. So it gets you ready for what to expect. If you're seeing these tough gang members do like ballet moves, like obviously out of context, that seems really silly. Mm-hmm. But when you're watching the movie, it's priming you for what the movie's going to be about. So when they're dance fighting at the end during the rumble, it makes sense because they did that from almost frame one. Right. right. I love how it introduces that world. So it primes you for what you're watching as opposed to, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a musical. Here's their first number. Like you're you're ready for that by the time it shows up. And obviously starting off with the choreography, the, the you know, the Robins choreography, being able to dive into that, it's like I mean, it's so electric that it yeah it, it just it, it it rewires your brain from the start I hope I hope i make it. I'm just I'm so in awe of this opening yeah. that it's like yeah it just it primes you for what you're about to watch and I love and that.
0: it also I think kind of gets you to lower your defenses a bit. Cause you're like, look, they're gangs and they're, but they're just dancing around and they're, all, <laughs> yeah. they're just little scamps causing mischief. And right, right. you know, you get Lieutenant Shrank and officer Krupke and, mm-hmm. and they're just, you know, it's, this <laughs> is the game that they play on the yeah. streets. It's, it's just whatever. It's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Well, it's, and then it's heightened
1: when, too, right? right it's, it's the dance and, fighting so that it's not, you don't feel like killing yourself in it because. But it's all the more shocking when. Yeah,
0: you know when people start actually getting killed when there's real right. stakes and real violence and it, it's just still you know it, it's still kind of shocking even though you know we've seen this movie a million times we know what to yeah. expect it's that turn at the in the rumble sequence where suddenly two of our main characters are dead.
1: How is it that a movie that I saw when I was ten that that rumble scene? I guess if you're to jump to the next thing that I love, like how is the, yeah. my heart is still in like pounding in my chest? I don't want what happens to happen.
0: Right.
1: And we'll talk about to the remake. I think the remake is, is more realistic, but that's a, that's something I definitely want to talk about, but Uh even the 61 version, like it's, it's heartbreaking. It's wrenching because these, they're kids right? I mean, Uh you you look at the opening dance fight, it takes place in a playground. Like, how is that for visual storytelling? It's telling you that these are kids at play. They don't know how serious this is until you get to the rumble. And that's why when Riff is killed, that's when Bernardo doesn't know what to do. He freaks out because I didn't mean it to come to this, even though that's what you've been planning on this whole time. Like you've been talking about this happening and now you're upset because it happened. You know what I mean? It's like, it, 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 that's the thing. It's heightened, but it still hits you in those ways. I'm just amazed that a movie that I saw when I was 10, it still gets me. It still punches me in the gut when all that stuff happens. It's never an easy watch.
0: And the movie also, I I noticed particularly this time that the color red is very prominent throughout, (sighs) I think both of them, but especially in the, in the original film. And that's, uh, I, you know, to me, that's just foreshadowing the kind of the blood that's going to be spilled and all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the, the technicolor
1: too. It's, yeah, it's exactly. so un It's so rich and vibrant that it's almost unrealistic. Exactly. So it's definitely striking that red. It's like, the look, red you're is...
0: watching a Hollywood musical. They're dancing. Yeah. <laughs> look at the lighting and look at Amazing. this. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Look, they're look at the, we're doing the uh, the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet, but it's a fire escape because yeah. you know 1950s New York. <laughs> right. Uh, all of that. It's yeah, yeah. I love all that stuff. Uh, the theme of we'll get into it much later, but I I kind of forgot that's kind of the theme of gentrification and the world is changing and all of that it 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 is more prominent in the original film than i realized than i remembered mm-hmm. it obviously the remake really leans into that hard in a, in a big way that i i think for mostly yeah. positive effect how how vital do you think that is into to sort of scene setting for a west side story as, as sort of the backdrop that you know these kids are are playing this deadly game amidst a world that is kind of moving past all of this crap like it's kind of things are happening that they're not even you know they're not even really 100 uh, percent paying attention to
1: right well i think if you were to look back at the uh, uh 1957 like the original um broadway production the uh um, I think Robbins and Bernstein and Sondheim. Yeah. And we come this far without mentioning Stephen Sondheim, but like yeah, just the, what they were to put together. I think what hit so hard is that again, most musicals weren't like this. Most musicals weren't topical. It seemed like they didn't tackle these themes and made you, it, you just went to a musical to, to, you know, sing along with some songs.
0: Escapism. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. escape. And this one is not escapism. It pulls you in and there's real world conflicts that it's sadly enough are still relevant today right it's they're still going on today which is really really sad mm-hmm. but i think that's the main attraction that's from the very beginning from the outset and its inception is west side story was not your typical musical first of all i think the attention to choreography i think it took precedence over the like the singing or the acting like the main focus is on the choreography and that's what wowed a lot of the critics back in the time back at the time but it's it's the choreography it's the message it's it's a message musical you know a message movie that it became and so it's yeah. it's it's integral to like i said it's integral to why the movie still talked about today and also integral to why people push back on it so hard because i don't know if it's a question of not expecting this stuff to happen or because it tackles an issue that can't be solved in a musical format or can't be solved in a two two and a half hour production that kind of thing it's so it's I don't know. I, I I do think that table setting is important to let you know what you're going to be watching. It's all the same thing. Was this one of the,
0: and I have no idea the, the answer to this exactly, but what, I feel like this was maybe one of the earliest sort of mainstream examples of taking Shakespeare and modernizing it to the times or a different setting. Cause I don't recall that I can think of anything that that predates this, that made that sort of an impact. And obviously, you know, in the nineties and 2000, like that was, they were doing that with everything, you know, <laughs> with, with so much, so many films were just like Shakespeare or similar literature from back in the day, literature that you'd read in college being retrofitted into, into like teen comedies and things like that. Is this one of the earlier ones of taking Shakespeare and making it, you know, um, speak to the current issues as directly as this one does
1: well i know that like kurosawa when he adapted shakespeare i'm not sure of the uh I, again i have to be in the kurosawa mindset to be able to pull years like from my like, brain. right but yeah, but, yeah. like you know he did like the throne of blood and later he did ron and stuff like that that are shakespeare ad- adaptations i know orson wells it wasn't a movie i know that orson wells did something called voodoo macbeth where he took he changed the setting of macbeth and and, and from scotland and put it on a caribbean island so his cast was all black and that was like so controversial at the time because you you don't at the time that and it's terrible to say this but at the time that it was made i think in the the 50s or the 40s or whatever like you didn't give uh you didn't give black actors that kind of attention right because right. that it was just the way of the world and that sucks but orson wells actually 1936 wow that was a while ago anyway so he he just no screw that which is orson welles whole identity <laughs> kind of like he <laughs> said screw that like you're not going to tell me how to do it. and so he he did this production with all black actors and like yeah awesome like so but i don't know if it's as extreme as like doing like you know, in the 90s like hamlet with ethan hawk or 2000 whenever that was where they based it in the business world or kenneth brown hamlet where they moved it to like the uh, you know uh the 1800 something like that they moved it up or right? anything so it's different it was just a gorgeous thing to look at but yeah i don't know like we'd have to look into the history of it i know that yeah. you know 1960 you know it wasn't like a norm kind of thing i, I, I wonder that if that's thing.
0: part of why this was such a kind of phenomenon is that whoa we haven't seen uh you know yeah. th- that kind of classical storytelling done in a way that's li- you know literally set on the streets of today right, and i right. think that yeah that's it's it's just interesting to note that the impact that this made and how that might have played a role in it. We were sort of mentioning casting. Let's focus on the the performances we like, and then we'll get into <laughs> right. the the more questionable decisions made. I, I don't understand how anyone watches this movie and does not fall immediately in love with Rita Moreno.
1: Oh yeah! Like
0: still, every time I watch, I'm like, she's so freaking good. Like she's a, a living legend, an EGOT winner, and just deservedly so. I, is she your favorite performance in this movie? Because I definitely think she's the one people remember the most.
1: Well, I don't want to get his name. Um, let's see, what is it? Uh George uh Shakiris. Am I pronouncing yeah. that right? Yeah, I, I think I think
0: right.
1: so. Rita Moreno and George Shakiris are my favorite, like I said, and Rust Hamblin, even. Like they're my three yeah. favorite characters because they're just so entertaining and they're so energetic, right? And they're magnetic and charismatic and all the adjectives you kind of want to throw at them is as they and they're so alive and it, it doesn't just come through first of all with this choreography i know that robbins put them through hell and there were injuries because he oh, was wow. just they had like eight weeks to prepare or something like that and he they reshot scenes re re-choreograph stuff and just work them to the bone like work their feet to the bone that kind of thing and so you have to be an energetic dancer and so yeah moreno and shakiris and tamlin are energetic dancers but they're also very, they sell the emotion of stuff. They sell the energy, they sell the anger of everything. And so, yeah, those, those three are just, I'm going to use this word a lot. They're electric, right? It's, it's just, <laughs> it's so, it's like a pal, like you want pow performances. Like they are every scene that they're on, they're, they're doing something that's impactful.
0: Do those performances, uh, does your love for that those performances get impacted at all by the the dubbing over of the singing voices for pretty much everybody? Even Rita Moreno on a boy like that mm-hmm. uh, is you know Betty Wand is, is doing her singing voice there. Does that does that impact uh, how you feel about the performances? Because for me, it's just it's always a little bit of a bummer. Like I'm the kind of yeah. person since I'm talking about movie musicals on this podcast, I'd <laughs> rather you cast an actor who can sing well then have them, or, or they can sing well, but not as well as mm-hmm. a professional Broadway singer, then have them dubbed over, if that makes sense. Like, I'm all about the authenticity of of the performance. Does that matter as much to you? Or are you just like, eh, it was the time, whatever?
1: Well, it's the time even today, if you look at Disney stuff. Sometimes, like, yeah. you know, Donny Osmond obviously dubbed I'll Make a Man Out of You for Mulan, right? It's yeah. that, they're, they're always doing that stuff. And animated
0: Lea's, for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. And you can do that, right? Except for except for something like anastasia where it's obviously not meg ryan and john Cusack <laughs> singing the voices are right. so different especially during the song where they're singing with kelsey grammer who's doing his own singing and it's like uh-huh. i i know that's kelsey grammer but there's no way that those are the other two right i mean when it's obvious like that i think that's when it really bugs me yeah. but you know it was just of the time and it's of the time it, you, know, you dub it like that's the the fine line it's like do you get a good singer or do you get a good actor like what do you want Right. I think you can get away with a a better singer and dancer than an actor on stage because like when you yell a lot of your lines, like it kind of smooths over stuff. But when you're doing like the quiet introspective, the cameras right there in front of your face stuff, you you want an actor. So I don't know. I just think that their performances are so good that the singing Absolutely. And that's them doing their dancing. Like if it was somebody else, like (laughs) that would be something different. So I don't know. It's it. it's not so much of a disconnect that it, it takes me out. Like, yeah, it's sad that they can't do their own singing and everything, but you know, I don't mind. It's like I said, you could do authenticity. You could have Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway sing, and I don't think they did a very good job singing. They yeah. did a good job with the emotion in "Les Misérables," but as singers, I'm like, oh,
0: like yeah. you're not nobody's, even on tune for
1: most of that. Right?
0: Nobody's nobody's banging that like like cranking that soundtrack up. Yeah, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially not how you crank it the Broadway stuff. So it's it's, it's right. a fine line. It just depends. I think it works in this one. I don't mind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think in this one, it's like of the five main roles, I think George Shakiris Ch- is the only one that at least the what I'm see, what I'm seeing that didn't have a singing voice dubbed at all. And obviously the remake, which we'll get into, everyone does their own singing, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So so there's that difference. We should get to the, the I, I guess, is it the most controversial aspect of this production is the casting? I would say it's up there for sure. Casting,
1: casting in the racial themes.
0: Yeah, casting in <laughs> the racial the
1: themes. Those are the hot It's funny because the casting ties into the racial themes, right? It's for cast, sure. For emblematic sure. of that.
0: So spoilers for people who didn't know. <laughs> I don't think any of these people are Puerto Rican except... No. You know, I don't think anyone is, is Latinx except for Rita Moreno, at least of the main people.
1: I, th- I think Chino is uh the actor who plays Chino, I don't The know other
0: Chino to. might be, yeah,
1: yeah, off the top but of my head, like, I don't
0: know. Of the main group, like uh, yeah, George Shakiris is, is I think, Greek, and uh, Natalie Wood's uh family is Russian by mm-hmm. blood, so uh, yeah, I speak to that what do you say for yourself, Darren (laughs) defend, defend one of your favorite musical Mm. or lack or, or, you know, or, or offend, whatever, either way, the
1: first thing I want to say is that even your favorite movies can have flaws and then like no movie is perfect. And I think that makes it more interesting to kind of try to reconcile those problems. And does your love of the movie surpass all that stuff? Or does it like bring, if it brings it down, obviously it can't be your favorite movie, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to defend it because, you know, you had people in blackface, right? I mean, it was just it sucks. I don't I don't want to make enemies here. But at the time, like they wouldn't want to hire black actors for certain things because the segregation and the civil that was all going on. And so they just couldn't market black actors. They couldn't market Spanish actors. They couldn't market, you know, speaking from experience, they couldn't market Chinese actors, right? And mm-hmm. it just wasn't and that's why you had people in yellow face and it's the same thing here. I think Natalie Wood is the star of the movie and so that's what is marketed around. She's right. not and she's speaking with an accent that could be seen as, some, as offensive. Like if you're offended by it, like I'm not going to say get over yourself because right. I understand why it's offensive to you, right? Uh I just and if, I'm sorry if this sucks to say, but it's it's a product of the time. Like yeah, it sucks, yeah. but they weren't in a position where they could break rules. They weren't Orson Welles you know, putting on a Shakespeare production where that was this whole thing, right? They had to do what they had and they wanted to market it and make sure it was a box office hit. I don't, like, it's it's worse today. Like, I was, I was telling my wife, like, you, if you've got a Spanish actor on in a live action thing, don't hire a white person to play Spanish, right? Hire a yeah. Spanish actor. You've got so many Spanish actors that you can hire for that. You've got so many uh, black actors, so many Chinese actors that you can hire for these things instead of, like, trying to fake it. Right. But back then, it's just the atmosphere is so different. And again, I know it sucks. I'm not going to say that it was right. It's just what they did. Right. And even Orson Welles, to bring him up again, he was in blackface for Othello. Right. Right. But he just didn't have the, he didn't have the wherewithal. He didn't have the budget. The, there's a whole backstory where he couldn't have somebody be on set for what the two, three years that it took him to make that movie. So he decided to play it himself. It was just the easiest way to be able to complete the production. Right. And it's, but he also made Voodoo Macbeth. So you're, you're walking a fine line. It's like, what, what do you do? And I'm glad that a lot of that was corrected for the remake here, but yeah, I don't know. I I can't defend it i can't really excuse it other than to say that yeah it sucks it was a product of it's time it was either that or not make the movie at all
0: right right? so i don't
1: i don't know it's it's tough and so that's i'm not going to say that that's not a flaw because it is and there there are better ways to do that but it's
0: part of the legacy of this movie yeah yeah but yeah but but yeah, so are you are you telling Richard Dreyfuss that he couldn't play a black
1: person today? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Richard <laughs> Dreyfuss, stop opening your mouth! Like, <laughs> yeah, please. You're ruining, you're ruining your, uh, yeah. yeah, you're ruining your filmography for the rest of us. Right, right. I, I don't just off top. I don't think yeah. he was actually saying he wants to play a black. I, he, was, I know. he was just saying it in a certain way that it was like, oh man.
0: I'm saying it partially in jest, and and I, oh, I watched man. a an interview with George Takeiress from uh, like a few years ago, and they asked about that. Yeah, and he was yeah. like, well, you know, we all had makeup on and the, the people that played the jets all had makeup on and they were darkening their skin in different ways too. Yeah. They wanted it to be visually apparent, which, you know, whether you're <laughs> looking at a jet or a shark. They made so dark skin
1: actors even darker. I mean, what, right, what is yes. with that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he was just kind of like, you know, I, I'm coming more from the perspective of wanting the, having the best actor in the role kind of thing. Mm-hmm. and. Which is, you know, a little less progressive than I would like, but it's also, I mean, he he had, was coming off of playing Riff on stage, yeah, uh, and then got <laughs> cast as Bernardo. So well, he's I mean, an he awesome dancer. Had, he's he got a background chops. in ballet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he won an Academy Award for this. So clearly, the the performance was there. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Nowadays, it's it, – obviously, Spielberg went a way different route, which we'll get to. Well, uh, it's also are, just ironic that this movie is just like, <laughs> oh, we don't want the Puerto Ricans here, including on the set of the movie. Yeah. it's I was just like in the
1: corner like, oh, crap. That's terrible. I can't excuse any of that. It, yeah. uh, and again, I'm not trying to excuse it, but at least at least they're open to that and talking about that stuff. It's not Mickey Rooney yeah. and Breakfast at Tiffany's, which God, is one of yeah. the – I will never – I. As an Asian, half Asian person, I will never watch Breakfast at Tiffany's again. I've seen it. I appreciate the stuff that was going on, but that performance is just, it's, I don't, again, it's offensive. I don't think that they're doing caricatures. I don't think that they're embarrassing. It's just their act and they're good. Like I said, Rita Moreno is great. Shakiris is great, right? Yes, yeah. Mickey Winnie in Breakfast at Tiffany's is not great. And to hear (laughs) him talk about it today, I think he said, yeah, I don't mind that I played that. Get over yourself. It's like, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that, that you're not even admitting that it was not such a good idea i think that's the, that's a that's a problem that's not well really and
0: and, and then that's for that's also for comedic effect here it's just yeah they're not the the ethnicity that they are portraying themselves to be but it's also they're treating them like real characters they're not how much of the portrayal of the sharks i guess and, and uh and, and including maria and Anita, how much do you, of that do you think is perpetuating stereotypes? I mean, I guess they're gang members, but so are the Jets. But it's you know the accents are sort of, I guess, uh, uh, leaning towards leaning on stereotypes. But it's th- they're real people, then they're multi-dimensional. I think even more so in the remake, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Is, is, what is there anything specific about the per, those characters that you feel like? hasn't particularly aged well like what in, in what ways does this movie feel dated other than the casting which obviously
1: well, is indefensible now maybe natalie wood doing that thick puerto rican accent like that's that's borders on yeah. um a caricature but it's again it's still a sincere performance she's not doing it for comedic effect she's exactly she's giving it her everything right bamer's giving it his everything moreno Trakiris, and so the the thing with this movie and it, First of all, let me just say that anything that I say about this movie is from my perspective. And if I say it from my perspective, I'm not denying somebody else their perspective. I don't want to take that away. I'm not saying get over yourself. That is something I will never say. I can only approach it from how I approach it, right? Yeah. But watching the movie, it's if if you don't it's the jets that are coming off as the bullies. It's the jets that are coming yeah. off as the aggressors, right? To the point, and again, this this will tie in with something else that I love is that three note. I'm, I'm, I'm with to whistle it because my mouth is dry. But the three notes that the movie starts off with, right, that runs that note, which is the or the three the um, the theme. Let's call it the conflict theme, right? Mm-hmm. That theme, those three notes play throughout the movie, right? It plays through all, the, and to the point where, like Maria, like those three notes, Maria, those are taking those mm-hmm. same three notes and just rearranging them right? Oh yeah. The jets theme, even though it has five notes as the main theme, the, the three notes in there are the conflict theme that, that ties into those five notes, right? When, so anytime the jets are around, they play that three note theme because that, what musicals do is they get you into the mindset of the people or even music scores in general, they get you into the mindset of the characters, what the characters are thinking, right? If, Finn in the latest Star Wars says the force is a feeling and they play the force theme. You just register that. Oh, he's Force sensitive because it's telling you that, right? The aggressive conflict theme, it's only around for the jets. Like the, out of all the musical numbers, the first time that you don't hear it in a musical number is within the song America because the Puerto Ricans, the sharks, that's not part of their, they are defending themselves, right? They're not the aggressors. They came over here to kind of get a better life and they're told to get out. And yeah. so when they're singing America, that's, it's none of their concern. They just want to live in this place and they love the idea of all these things that they can accomplish, right? That It's going to get corrupted later, obviously, but right. that's the first song that you don't hear those three notes, right? Those three notes play throughout the entire movie to signify that there's conflict, but it's only, it only really plays when the jets are around because that's their whole identity. Right. And I, I love that stuff. so, i would think that the again from my perspective the whites are coming off so terrible because the mm-hmm. music is telling you that they're aggressors they're bullies they're even bullying other white characters right they are not good people and they they learn and i don't know at the end of the movie they're going to correct all their their bad attitudes they're probably going to keep going because this is just it's a, a circle right it's an ouroboros kind of thing right so they, yeah, I think the whites are the people that are just the the villains is what I would say. I think that the the more aspirational and inspirational characters are the Puerto Rican characters. So I don't know, hopefully people can take that as a positive.
0: Well, at, at one point, and forgive me if I'm getting the version of West Side Story mixed up. Like I said, I watched them both a couple of days <laughs> yeah. apart. So now I'm like, wait, which Tony said that? Like <laughs> when they're arguing over who started what, it's like, you know, they yeah, started the by yeah. coming here yeah it's like they just showed up it's like it, it, you know it, it, it it's it feels it's that exact sentiment is exactly why the story feels so prevalent now because of the whole in light of the whole uh, not to get political but it is a political movie oh at, absolutely at the, end yeah. of the day It feels like the jets are very much, you know, trying to uh, make America great again kind of thing. It's it's 100% (laughs) that vibe. They're like, hey, we got to build a wall. These Puerto Ricans are coming to our streets. It's, you know, it's that kind of uh, perspective. Meanwhile, Mm, the the sharks, the sharks are just trying to live their life. And they're just so much cooler.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, you uh, know, my, said, they have uh, the objectively I, cooler I, gang name.
0: <laughs> they, they have the objectively cooler gang name. Yeah. They, they're, I think better dancers and they're, they're more fun to be around. Like, as you were mm-hmm. saying earlier, like I think Bernardo and Anita in both versions kind of steal the movie. Uh, like it's almost it's almost a problem how the supporting players steal the steal the show in both of these things.
1: I I love the scene where it's there it's after the dance and it's Anita and it's Bernardo and it's Maria all in that kitchen and Bernardo's trying to or even I think this is the remake but it kind of is in there in the remake. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like even that's like I like that scene where he's like obviously he's being ganged up on and you could tell he's getting frustrated I thought that was funny it's like yeah. in both versions there's a sincerity and it's for all the characters right i mean you watch riff with tony and riff is very sincere with him and he's you can tell that riff is listening he's not trying to showboat when tony talks and i'm talking again in the 61 version and mm-hmm. you know both versions really but the 61 version the the scenes between tamblin and bamer you can tell that tamblin is listening his riff is listening to tony's concerns and he's being sincere he's not Riff is a totally different person when he's in front of his jets, he's trying to say things to make them move or to inspire them or to be a general. And it's all showboating, right? And it's the same thing when you see Bernardo talking with Maria and with Anita, you can tell that he cares for them. And it's sincere, right? Even Mm -hmm. though he's got to put up a front you know in front of all the, all his friends and in front of the 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 white people right he's got to put on an armor in a way but in those quiet scenes where he's just with his girlfriend or with his with his sister you know it's very sincere and i think that helps sell them as humans too right
0: yeah it sounded for a moment like you were almost going to say his daughter which i think yeah. is that's, is, how, she, that's how he treats her. Because that is exactly how he treats her. And it yeah, feels, yeah. you know, in a modern context, in like the, you know, this current wave of feminism, which mm-hmm. I'm 100% on, on board for and supportive of, to be clear, it feels almost problematic, but it feels like it fits culturally and also mm-hmm. with the the tie, the setting of the film. So it's, yeah, I always found that dynamic really interesting. Isn't it uh, weird? How, and, yeah. yeah,
1: isn't it weird how in the, it struck me watching the 61 how they kept mentioning their mother and father, even though you never see them. And in the remake, they're not even acknowledged. They're not even mentioned. Existing, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So having in the original, he is Bernardo, and in both, he is her father. He's he's the guy that's he's being. He has to be the father. He has to be the example, even though he's not giving a very good example because he's fighting and he's trying to kill people. Right? It's that kind of thing. But right. he's he's the fatherly type. So yeah, that was a, a Freudian slip that actually makes sense. I guess. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, it touched on
0: right. something that I had in my notes. Uh, let's see. Are there any other? Any other questionable aspects of the original, or or good things that we want to make sure we mention? One thing that I always brush up against, and this is obviously just part of the storytelling, but I'm always like, really, is the fact that Maria spends the night with Tony right after she finds out that uh, he killed her brother, and I think the movie does a pretty good job of justifying that, given the you know the the age of the characters, the fact that the the strength of the bond that they feel, the fact that she feels like he's all that she has left, and all of that. Uh, does that anything that, you know, especially as an adult, anything that kind of rubs you the wrong way? You're like, mm, I don't know if that decision feels in character.
1: Well, <laughs> we're talking about people like casual sex these days. Like, you know, obviously well, you yeah. and I are married. That's not something that we're <laughs> going
0: to go to. Right. Well, we're, I'm you I'm and I are going to go
1: out to the clubs, not, right? I'm not so, even saying
0: the casual sex. I'm yeah, saying yeah. the. the the timing of it your your brother he the guy that killed your brother is now you you know you're in love with and that you still do that that's why i'm like i don't know if i I mean it feels like it makes sense for the character even though uh objectively i'm like i don't know if that was the right decision yeah i don't know if you're looking at it
1: it doesn't make sense but again it doesn't make sense because this (laughs) this takes place over the course of what a day
0: like, I know. That's the other thing. I always forget how short a time is like one
1: night and then Tony's dead by the next night. Right. It's yeah. like, but the thing is that ties in with like fairy tales. It ties in with you know the right, Disney absolutely. cartoons that were already like these people fall in love and we're supposed to take it because it's a representation of something. What I loved about, and I'm, you know, you, you sit down in like in front of a two and a half hour movie, especially when that was made 60 years ago. And you're like, this is going to be a chore. Right. And, West Side Story was not a chore. like i I no, was in the entire thing, right? Because it was just the the dancing. everything about it's so energetic and it's it pulls you in emotionally. But the visual language, I was also I'm always surprised by the visuals that are going on. It's like you know the the first dance sequence of the jet song where you see like Bernardo and his cronies dancing in front of a building that seems to be made completely out of windows. You know, and it's this visual language of everybody watching them. It's like the colors, like you can tell, like when they show up for the first time, Riff is wearing a yellow slash green jacket and Riff is wearing a red shirt. And so that identify that color codes them because yeah. they're, they're opposite sides of the color spectrum. Like if you look at yellow and red, they're opposite sides. So naturally they're going to be conflicting. Right. So that's all set up. It's the same in the, in the visual language of when Tony and Maria meet each other the first time and they're dancing together with that, the, uh, you know, they're doing the little moves with the snapping and everything. It's a visual representation of courtship and romance like mm-hmm. this. Sure. And in real life, this would take months or, or years to get to this point, but right. this is a heightened reality that we're, we're watching and it's, it get, tells you that they're in love, but they also have that connection that they can just recognize it instantly in each other. they they want more. And they both have their I want songs, right? It's like they want to break out. They want to do something else. But by the time... I don't know. I, I can't. I've never been in a situation where my brother was uh, where I killed my well, girlfriend's obviously. brother my fight, not Right? Judging.
0: Maria. Yeah. I'm just like it's especially <laughs> it's, in a in a modern lens and a, and from an yeah. adult perspective. So yeah, kind I of mean, separating the romantic part of it from right, right. the practical part of it. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, that was was that the best
1: choice? But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's rush. But the the whole thing is rush. Right. So it's just exactly a, it, you've got to get there. And so yeah, it's a little. But you know, their passions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're kind of take they're over young so. people
0: they're like yeah uh, what early 20s or whatever right. she's supposed they to like be together forever think, so why know.
1: not just that's right next exactly
0: next. yeah yeah okay cool <laughs> let's see is there anything about the the original you want to bring up well i before? did mention i have the, a couple the, more things but. the
1: colors too like the, right it's so the tete color so so vibrant like when they show up to the the dance at the gym that's when they're told like before like you see them on the it's hard to tell maybe the jets from the sharks apart were during that first uh dance fight sequence right but when they're at the dance like the the uh, jets side they're all in seems like yellows and oranges so they're all kind of autonomous or, or analogous colors right so you can right. tell them the same side and then the sharks and their their girlfriends they're all in purple and red and so it it's easy when they're on the dance floor to identify who's who. Like that's great visual storytelling, right? Yeah, definitely. But again, it's the I was amazed this time when Tony starts singing Maria and it has the shot of him just on this it, it shows you him on the stairs and then it cuts to a shot like a, a medium close up of him and there's the background stuff and then he starts walking and then you realize he's in front of a back projection mm-hmm. and it changes to like the the uh, the neighborhood or the streets, and then it cuts to him actually on the street. And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Like, I, first of all, I didn't realize it was back projection until it started changing. But it's like it's a representation of he's being lifted off his feet and like transported somewhere else, right? Yeah. And so there's all that. Uh, there's just visual language that I just love, and the colors and they just pop, and it's just yeah. I mean, it's there's there's all this visual stuff that's happening, and I'm I'm really impressed by that, especially. And again, when I think of like 60s or, or 50s movies, I don't think of the camera as having dynamic camera moves, but the camera like moves like a madman, like mm-hmm. it moves the dance. It does the most important thing that I think a musical does is it it backs off and lets you see the entire body of the person that's dancing. Right. right. So it it's, you can tell it's them. Right? It's the Tom Cruise effect these days where you can tell it's him doing <laughs> the stunts. True. And so – but it, the camera will also – there was a part, I think, when they were dancing, when the sharks were dancing, and the camera, when the the actors jumped, the camera, like, jumped with them. Yeah, it moved with them, yeah. And so I was even – wow, the camera work is even a part of what's happening. And I, I, I don't know. I just love that. Like, there's so – the electricity of the movie, it's – it it just ties in with the, with the the camera ties in with the energy of the dancing. And it just makes it so much more energetic. The editing. I know this one, I think it won the Oscar for editing, but like it does the thing where it cuts on the beat where you need like the first shot of the city. Like I noticed that it'll cut on a, a beat. And it, it gets the energy up. And it's the same thing when you do dancing, you obviously you want to show the whole bodies, but you also want to cut to keep up the energy and it cuts at the exact right moment. So I get swept up in the musical numbers. I think that's the, even Ebert, like his great movies review he was like, yeah, the movie's not great because of all the racial stuff, but like the dancing is like above reproach." Right. Um, so yeah, I love that stuff.
0: Two little moments that, uh, that really struck me this time. And then we'll move into the, the remake and, yeah. uh, whether whether it justifies its existence basically so the the scene in the bridal shop i really love because it is because we don't get a lot of quiet moments with maria and tony where they're not singing especially where they're actually like connecting as human beings and like getting you know getting not getting getting to know each other but like the fact that they're they're like mocking up their whole uh relationship like and you'll meet papa and and, uh, <laughs> you know, mama and all this stuff. And they're like, they're like envisioning their future together. I think that's, that's a really sweet scene. And I think having a moment like that is really key before it, it makes you that much more emotionally invested when, uh, when things turn yeah. and, uh, and then the other moment that really struck me is, is, uh, comes from doc where he says something like, when do you kids stop? You make this world lousy. And then I think it's, I think it's Tony who says, forget it. I think it's Tony. He says we didn't make it, Doc, and I think the movie is. What do you think it's trying to say about sort of generational responsibility, like the fact that these kids are coming into a world that is bigger than them, and they are in their from their perspective just trying to do the best they can with what you know what they feel like they've been kind of handed down.
1: Well, I think for that particular moment, that's one of the moments that I think the remake improves upon because it doesn't Mm -hmm. shy away. Like, you've got to, even though this is progressive for the time and it was like with its uh, dance numbers and everything and trying to do, and, you know, failing to a certain degree, trying to have that representation because obviously they didn't hire the correct, like you said, like (laughs) the whole point of the movie is to welcome Puerto Ricans, but like you're kicking Puerto Ricans off your set. It's like, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. But I think what Doc is saying, like, I'm glad that he said something. It's like, you got- and yes. it's not, it's not I Tony, think it was, I think, I was struck Tony's by downstairs, they, yeah, but okay, it's, it's a different guy.
0: Yeah. You struck by – I'm sorry.
1: Or something. I was just struck
0: by the fact that they touched on it at all, like directly like that in, mm-hmm. in the 61 version, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, they he – and they still don't learn, right? I mean, they're, they, they – I don't know. They don't – like I said, I don't even think even after the attempted rape scene, like they don't learn yeah. even after. They're still – they're not going to be cured of their racism right it's it's a it's uh, at least it's a step but it's like somebody had to say something he's the only adult that's been around them right and the guy saying Mm -hmm. we didn't make it it's like yeah but you could make it better like you you make it worse you didn't make it but why do you have to make it worse right and that's a comment on yeah all the, the 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 theming and stuff that's going on so yeah it's it's a response that's the whole point of the movie. It's a responsibility to to move past yep. this this stuff. That's again, it's still relevant today. Why is this stuff still happening? It's still exactly. just as strong, if not worse, than it was back in 61. Why? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I think it's
0: <laughs> it deals with heavy stuff, is what I guess what we're getting into, besides the the racism like just the themes in general of like the 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 difficulties and challenges of the world and progress versus regression. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it's it's really interesting. Moving into sixty years later, twenty twenty one, we finally got the remake, which I think was supposed to come out in twenty twenty. I believe, like, it's, mm-hmm. I think it was because of the pandemic, it got pushed to like yeah, yep. Christmas twenty twenty one, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously directed by uh, a little guy named Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. and nominated for seven Oscars, and it, just like the original f- film, one supporting actress. Which has that oh. ever happened before? Where two actresses or two actors, in general win Oscars for the same role especially especially in a in a remake where the other actor is also still in it sharing screen time with that that, that's crazy to me yeah I I love that
1: connective tissue so let's start there right other than I don't know Joaquin Phoenix and Heath Ledger both winning for Joker like I don't know if that's uh Like I said, I don't really pay attention to the Oscars. I'm glad that this won some Oscars, like the original won some Oscars, but it doesn't, that's not going to make or break the movie for me. But uh, I don't know. Like that's, but like I said, it's like the riff and the Bernardo and the Anita characters are the stronger performances. You're not going to see, even though I think Ziegler and um, to a lesser extent, Al Gore, uh, or that's his name. Like they, they don't, they do a fine job, but not as energetic, you know, wow. Ariana DeBose is just She's a beauty, but she's also talented and she's just so much. So she's just great. So, yeah, I mean, and and like we talked about, Rita Moreno was the one of the high points, if not the high point of the original. And so it's definitely a draw. And there's so much. I think they give DuBose a lot more to work with, like the scene where she has to go and and identify Bernardo's Mm -hmm. body. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like. i I guess the thing we didn't mention with the 61 is the the acting can be a little stilted sometimes i think especially with maria with uh, natalie wood at the end when she's like you know she's she's great when she's saying now i have hate but then she does where she just collapses and it's like oh that was obviously you know but it's it's of the time like naturalistic performances like until maybe marlon brando started really getting into the whole um you know method acting kind of thing i think that that kind of acting is emblematic of the time that the original west side story was made you couldn't do that same acting with the 2021 version right because then people just wouldn't accept it there's a level of realism that we need to have to see or have in our movies now just Mm -hmm. like you couldn't have that naturalistic acting in the 61 version it's there it the acting works for each individual version i just like that The you have to give them more to do, which we'll talk about some more. And the Debose character, she gets a lot more to do. I love when she goes back Mm -hmm. and they're having that song about, you know, a boy like that and um, I have a love or whatever. And she just, she can't breathe. Like, Mm -hmm. She Anita can't breathe. She's trying to process this grief that she has. And it's like, it's so powerful. And the anger that she feels later and all this stuff, it's just – I don't know. I, I think I completely lost track of your question, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just it, it's such a strong performance that it, yeah, it seems like an Oscar worthy thing. So why wouldn't you award that same thing? I don't know. It's just Oscars are strange. I don't, I don't know. Pretend to understand how they work, but it is nice that they both got awarded for their work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and like you said, I think Anita, Anita is definitely always the, the standout part of this because unlike she, she to me is like the the fifth like the fifth wheel of this conflict you know you have tony and maria the star crossed lovers just like romeo and juliet you have the leaders of the gangs of both sides riff and bernardo and then you have anita who's sort of like outside of both of those dynamics trying to just trying to make her way and trying to keep the peace to to whatever you know to whatever end that she can i, I First of all, we sort of alluded to this in general, but what is kind of your philosophy on remakes in general? Because I feel like it's a very specific kind of set of circumstances. One, you know, you mentioned the Disney live action remakes and my thing with that is that they either like I'm I'm all for updating and making changes and modernizing when it makes sense, when it's expanding on the character development that was in the original text. I think this remake does a a pretty good job of kind of making all of these characters feel more real, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to, but it's also... You know, you change things too much, and then people complain that oh well, you know, like I didn't even see the the, the live action Mulan, but people were complaining oh well, it's so different from the original. And then or just tonight I was on social media and I saw somebody commenting about the li- the live action Little Mermaid, like it's so good. Like watching it a second time, I just realized that some of the things, some of the scenes are are verbatim, and I'm thinking to myself, how is that a good thing? <laughs> that just means like. Like that was, I, I, that's Mm -hmm. my biggest issue is if you do it exactly the same, why bother doing it at all? That's like, that's the, it's the Gus Van Sant psycho approach, right? Like you don't, you're not going to improve on it and you're not good changing enough to make it, to say anything particularly different or new. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that kind of where you, where you sit with remakes and then we'll get into whether West Side Story, how, how it fits into that.
1: I am not against remakes as a general rule. Like if you, yeah, yeah if you're going to remake back to the future, first of all, I'd be like, why? Like there's no, it's perfect as it is. Like you don't need to do that again. I yeah. think that you're know, with the Disney live action stuff. It's like, don't redo little mermaid. It's like, do something that wasn't good. Like that didn't make an impact. And so like, yeah. I've already, where's
0: our live action Atlantis or Treasure yeah, Planet like that, or whatever, Treasure,
1: something, but like I could go on for a couple hours about how much I hate those live action remakes and yeah. how much I just hate <laughs> the idea of them. But like, you look at, say, the RoboCop remake, like RoboCop is one of my maybe top 20, top 10 movies if I were to put together, uh, the Verhoeven 87 movie. If I was able to put together a list, that would probably right. be my top 20. But it's not just because it's a kick-ass revenge thing. That's probably the dumbest aspect of it. It's because it's got so much subtext. It's about Reaganism. It's about consumerism. It's It's got all this subtext and this underlying stuff that uh, as a counterpoint to the dumb action, violent stuff, that it's, it's more than just a movie. I don't know if that makes sense. So yeah. when they did the remake, it's like, well, or even the sequels, it's like, why would you do a sequel to something that was just an idea movie? And so it's like, why are you remaking just the as- the action aspect of it? That doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. It's like the whole point of RoboCop that made it worth it was the underlying um, you know, meaning underneath it. And to its credit, they tried to be more topical with like drones yeah. and with like military and the remake of it. And I like that it did. It's like you said, I don't want to see the same thing. Like, if you're going to do it, do something different. I like in the Robocop remake, they they tried to bring his family into it and how he processed his feelings of it, which the original didn't do that. But at the end of the day, it's just so generic that I'm like, why did you bother remaking it? There's no, first of all, Robocop is not an IP that's going to make you a billion dollars right out of the gate. Like, why would you want to redo that? You know what I mean? It's like. I, I just think with, like I said, I'm not against remakes. There are different things that you can say. And with a Broadway production, with a play or a musical, plays are, are done differently all the time. A director will come in and go, well, I want to do it from this perspective, right? I want to change things up. I want to maybe move West Side Story to have it take place in you know Puerto Rico. Have the Puerto Ricans be the bad guys. Have the white people be the, the people that, you know, the, you could do anything. And, and even though that, I don't know if that would work, so to speak, but like there are different, aspects and different POVs that you can tackle these things from. I just think if you're going to redo the same thing, it's pointless because I'm just going to go back and watch the original, right? Yeah. And West Side Story, like we talked about, it's it, the topics and the issues, It's they're still being talked about and they're still being wrestled with today. So it's not like you're trying to do some old a time capsule kind of approach to something because all the stuff that's talked about in right side story, like we said, the reason it's still talked about today is because it's so relevant and it's still being dealt with and it's still being fought and, and you know, all, all this stuff. So I don't know, like I'm fine with remakes. Like you said, if they're not just repeating the same stuff, have a different aspect, have a different perspective. Otherwise you're wasting my time. I think mm-hmm. that's my, that's my main, my main, uh, I guess, baseline for how I would watch mm-hmm. a remake.
0: So, remaking one of the, uh, one of the air quote, great Hollywood musicals, even with Steven Spielberg involved, like, do you think that this, the, does this remake, like, it, is a remake to West Side Story something the world really needed? And I say that in air quotes also because, and, you know, no movie is anything somebody needs, but what is, does it justify its existence? Because I just, I always think it's funny that Spielberg's like, Wanted, you know, as you're saying earlier, wanted to make a musical forever. He'd always be like, you know, I want to make a musical, but something like West Side Story. And then eventually, it was just like, well, I'm going to make West Side What's Story. story? <laughs> and I'm just curious how he got to that turning point. And I know he's talked about it, but like, what was the turnkey moment where he's like, now is the time? West Side Story is the thing. It's it's not. It's, you know, we're going to bring something new enough that it feels like an updated version of the story, because. Like you said, the world is we're still talking about West Side Story. like people didn't forget that movie. It's not a movie that came out and failed. Hmm. Um, why, so why have Spielberg, who could do anything he wants why why is a a Steven Spielberg directed West Side Story something that uh, I guess works or doesn't work for you?
1: Well, I don't know his complete mindset. I know, like I said, he's always wanted to do a musical. it's and I think West Side story was his favorite, and so that's why he wanted to tackle this and there's a lot like I said you just take that basic um you just take the basic script i think what was his name arthur Lorentz uh wrote the original book for yes. the play and then it was ernest uh layman, layman yeah ernest yeah, layman yeah, yeah. who wrote um yeah north by northwest and um uh, family plot for for hitchcock and so he wrote sabrina and, and all this stuff like who's afraid of virginia wolf he adapted that so you know, you take that original script and book and there's so much you can do with it. It should set your imagination alight. And, you know, me saying that West Side Story is my sentimental favorite musical, you would think that I'd be like, don't do that. Like it was fine the way that it was. Right, exactly. Right. But then you hear that Spielberg is doing it. Like, well, if anybody can do it, <laughs> you know, I would like <laughs> to see that. And like I said before, he's applying his same Indiana Jones action chops and choreography and, and just fun character beats to this movie. Right. And that's what made it so as an experience watching in theater, I was just wowed by it because it was like experiencing something that was old hat, like fresh. Right. And so it just depends on the energy that he brings to it. My thing though is when you say that did the world need West Side Story, I don't think that the world needed something new to argue about. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is
0: everything now. Yeah, it's yeah. it's everything. Yeah.
1: Because you read some reviews, and again, I can't take away other people's experiences of it Rosa Potter that that's one of our uh, mutual friends right she Mm -hmm. wrote a review and she was wrestling with it and she appreciated the choreography but she also like was offended that why are they still doing the Puerto Rican accent it's like and that what she's talking about there is like yeah that's good yeah good point like I can't argue with that I can't argue with what your feelings are right? I mean, I'm not, sorry, I don't mean to throw her under the bus or just pull her out of a hat and make her the the focal point of this, but like, there are people that don't like that original West Side Story. There are people that are angry that it exists, right? And so to remake it and to do kind of the same thing, it's it's, it's, I don't know, I guess it's futile for those people. Again, that sounds bad saying those people, but for non-fans of West Side Story, uh, I get why a remake wouldn't do anything for them, because it just brings up new hurts and new pain. Right. Right. Um, and like I said, I don't want to take away from that, but like I said, it's, this is a topic that's, that's there. It's like, it should be talked and talked, about. we should be talking about these things to try to clear the air and, and I don't know, get some form, get some absolution, uh, you know, let, let some of our, our hurt and our, 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 pain behind us. I don't know. We just need some kind of cathartic, I don't know, like so, just some, a, a way to deal with our, our issues, I guess.
0: Yeah. No, it's it seems to me that the goal of this movie is sort of threefold, I guess. One, co- correct, you know, right the wrongs as ma- as much as they as much as they can, like at least attempt to right the wrongs of the original film as far as representation. And I think there are places where it does better, obviously in the casting. Mm-hmm. Also, there's much more uh, Spanish spoken in the film. They don't, oh, yeah. they don't do, they don't do subtitles for the Spanish.
1: That was an interesting choice. Yeah.
0: Which is and, an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. They, they also kind of have, uh, they, you know, they, 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 um, vacillate between Spanish and English mid sentence, which feels very, which is very realistic to that culture mm-hmm. and to Spanish speaking people. They also had Rita Moreno as a executive producer. In addition to having Valentina replace doc, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting uh, choice also because of the, uh, it, it sets kind of this backdrop of a mixed race couple that was already yep. in that in that community, which I yeah. think is is adds a, a an intriguing little wrinkle to it.
1: Yeah, let's so make sure we talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh right. for sure. So it's righting the wrongs of of the original film. It's speaking more directly to the divisiveness of today of, for lack of a better term, Trump's America, which mm. you know which was the, the case when this was being produced and, uh, you know, soon after it was released or soon, soon before it was released. And also, but at the same time, keeping that Leonard Bernstein, uh, you know, Stephen Sondheim music intact, keeping the original story, uh, what worked, keeping what worked and kind of recontextualizing some of it for a new audience. How well do you think it does that? Like, how well do you think it, like the changes that they make, do you, do you think for the most part it, it, improves upon the story or does it feel we were sort of saying earlier i, I mean I, I was bringing it up it feels more like it feels like it's less it's like less stylized in a traditional musical way if that makes sense
1: yeah
0: it's trying to make it well, feel more grounded and lived in but mm-hmm. still having you know that that spielbergian flair
1: right it's still heightened yeah they're, they're still but in a
0: different way in a, in a, in a <laughs> right, more right. in a more modern way i guess
1: But the thing is like, you could, even though it's based in the fifties, like it could, that stuff is going on now. It's like, it's very prominent. It's, it's, you're in, even though it takes place in the past, it's still present. Like it still deals with things that we're dealing with. Right. I think that, okay. To, to really dive into the ugly stuff, right. Mm -hmm. When you're going to, you cannot solve racism Within a two, two and a half hour time frame, there's there's no way you can do that, right? All you can do, and again, I'm just speaking from my my perspective. I can't speak from anybody else's. Okay, you all you can do is you can bring up ideas, and you can bring up new issues, and you can say, here's. Let's present to you a situation. How would you deal with it? Did the characters deal with it how you would deal with it? Did they make the right choices? Did they make the wrong choices? Who is in the right? Who is in the? It's a conversation starter. It's not a conversation ender. And I think that's, yeah. I can't like I, said, I can't speak for anybody else, but I think that's a main issue with this movie. Is it, it deals with a topic that it can't solve. So at the end, I think intrinsically. I at least feel like, well, I'm watching a movie. I want to have the problem solved at the end. And you but you can't mm-hmm. solve racism. You can't solve bigotry. You can't at the end of the movie the characters aren't magically cured, right? There's right. that's they're just a next stepping stone to their to a healing factor, right? But I think that the changes that it makes, a lot of the uh, you know, trying to be it doesn't really change a lot of the the controversial stuff is still present. It's just framed yeah. differently, right? Yeah. I like that they try to add, like you said, those comments when Tony and Maria are talking about who started it, like Riff has his problems too. It's not just about Bernardo and you're, you're siding with both. And they come to terms with, yeah, I'm sorry that I questioned you on all these things. And they realize that they're from different worlds, but they can at least meet in the middle, whereas nobody else can, right? So I don't yeah. – I don't know if they can improve those themes at all because it, like I said, it, it just brings up more pain for people that they're watching. And it, yeah, a lot of people are disappointed because it just deals with the same things and it doesn't. I don't know. Am I making sense? There's just no way yeah, to solve yeah. any of
0: that. Yeah, I, I, I guess in the original film, at least, it's it's more the, the ending is more framed as maybe maybe Tony's death will be a wake up call to some of these people. Maybe yeah. it will it will have. A, a positive effect where some of them will make different choices or not be a part of the jets anymore, or, you know, at least reflect on their decisions in life a little more closely. I do think the original doesn't, uh, even though uh, the, the remake, I do think even though they, the jets and the sharks unite to carry Tony's body off, like they do in the original film, I do think sort of uh, Valentina lingering there with Chino and taking the gun and all of that. It feels like it's slightly more, it's slightly less hopeful and sunny about the the future. It's more like you know we're where this is the situation, this is the reality, this is what we're living with, and that's more the the statement. It's more of a period and less of an ellipses, I think at the end of uh, the remake version, I do I do love the we get a little more backstory for pretty pretty much everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole aspect. Uh, well, first of all, uh, and from a, a macro perspective the they're literally like tearing down the neighborhood they're yeah. ready to like wipe it out which is a brand which is a new element that's being kind of tossed in like everybody is basically on the verge of getting evicted we see uh during the america sequence we see like people protesting mm-hmm. you know that happening and the yep. redevelopment but we also for most of our main characters we get more more context into why they're doing the way they're doing i how did you feel about adding for tony the the concept that he was in prison he almost killed uh, he almost killed someone of of the is it did they ever did they ever establish that it was a Puerto Rican or anything like that they don't really say exactly the it, race in, of the person who was killed it's alluded to as yeah not a white person
1: well he said something about them being it was a different I don't want to it it was a different gang I guess he killed right. a member of a different gang but that wasn't yeah. alluded to they didn't mention that at all in the original he was just. He had right. a nice job. He he wanted a better life for himself. That's it. Like this, he yeah. has something to overcome, right? Exactly. And to just touch I want to absolutely I'll, I'll talk will you about Tony here, but I love that sure. visual representation of everything being in ruins and like it's a mm-hmm. war zone, even though it, it's so interesting because they're obviously tearing down these old buildings to put up these like posh apartments that these characters aren't right. going to be able to afford, right? Exactly. That's what it's telling you. But it's also it's a literal war zone because these two factions are going at each other's throats and so it's a visual representation of what's happening with the story and so that's wow that's just the first main visual change that i was just in love with and it's like yeah that's spielberg obviously making that decision spielberg and kaminsky I and everything of- it- and
0: and it underscores the futility of their whole conflict because yeah. nobody's, this turf isn't going to exist anymore yeah, uh, yeah. in its current form. So, like, what are you fighting for exactly? And it's
1: only like two blocks of something, right? It's only <laughs> yeah. a two block radius.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good.
1: But, you know, with, with, to- so here's, I don't think that it was necessary, but I, yeah. I do like that they made the change. And here's the difference when you make a change in, little mermaid or something like that where they had to change the identity of the bird of flounder not of flounder but of the uh i can't remember like the the, the seagull yes scuttle. Yeah, scuttle. Yeah, they now had it's to- a
0: diving bird so they can see underwater they had to, they like, had to okay, change okay. all
1: these things and it just brings up like in the aladdin remake they give i believe they give jasmine a song about how she's not going to be caged and then as soon as yeah, she's done she, she gets, just- gets captured
0: yeah yeah <laughs> it's like no. oh
1: my gosh do you did like you the go- song but yeah it's yeah. a replacement are you guys trying to be funny? Are you making a cut? So it just opens all these can of worms. I What's interesting about, say, changing – first of all, they give Bernardo like he's a prize fighter, right? They give him a box. I love that.
0: I love that change
1: too. that's his yeah. identity. That's what's going to make him famous in America, right?
0: All he knows how to do is fight. He, that's, yeah. he has to have something to fight for. Absolutely. Because that's literally his his job essentially.
1: Right. Yeah, I love that. But with Tony giving him that, and again, some people hate that change. They, they like that he's just more one note. I think they were trying to correct it to make him more relatable. I like that idea that it gives him an arc, something to overcome instead of just, oh, this is me. I don't, I, I just, this is me. I'm not going to change. I'm going to be the same. He has something to overcome so that when right. he does succumb to it and does end up killing Bernardo. And giving into his rage, right? That's a natural progression. But giving him that aspect and me talking about Riff coming down and actually chatting with him. And, yeah, they're at odds for a little bit. But there is a moment during the Rumble when Tony is just pounding Bernardo's face in, right? Yeah, And you can see Riff in the background reacting like, my friend is... I know that he's trying to overcome and make a better life because he's been in jail and you can see it on Feist's on, on face, right? Who's another just great actor in this. There's so yeah, many great yeah. actors in this one, right? You can see it in his face that I've done this to my friend and you can see that he's got the guilt and so that's why riff takes over there's extra motivation that's added to it right mm-hmm. but then there's also the part later when he when tony goes to see maria and she's pounding on him like why did you do this why did you do this you can see in elgord's face that he's tormented because yes he's just repeated his same problem he's in an endless cycle that he can't break Right. And Mm -hmm. it adds that extra dimension that I think is just lovely and it gives him a little more agency that he's not just a a, a mayonnaise sandwich kind of character. (laughs) Right. Even though he's that kind of thing. But it's like it gives him that. So I think adding that extra subplot, it adds more to the drama. Whereas with Maria, I don't think they really add anything to her character, other than they make her more like uh, independent or have more agency. But Ziegler's performance, I think she brings so much energy and, and innocence to the yeah. it, it, She, Like I said, I don't think they give her anything in the script that's, a, that's a, a new arc or anything, but it's just Ziegler's performance that I think sells that. So that Tony change, other than it doesn't bring up more questions, it just makes it, it gives you more things to deal with later.
0: It also allows his uh, his murder of Bernardo to be more of a choice.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Because yes. in the
0: other, in the first one, it's he's like, oh, I didn't didn't mean to happen. He didn't mean to kill Riff, and I didn't mean to kill him. And it was just crazy, you know, uh, comedy of errors on in the middle of the rumble, as opposed to you know here he has the gun, you know, and, and there's a whole. We'll, we'll get to the whole thing with the gun, which is an entirely. Other than the, the in the original Chino having a gun and going around looking for Tony, the gun has a whole origin story in this one, which we'll yeah. get to, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I think it it creates an entire it, it makes Tony kind of a different person in a way in this mm-hmm. film, and uh, I do think Rachel Zegler is pretty pretty phenomenal in this. I do think that the character uh, is yeah. is what she is. Did you do you feel a sort of a I feel in this one, at least, in the first one, I think Natalie Wood and Richard Beamer are pretty even keel. They're both pretty good, but they're also both kind of bland, but it works for that version of the story.
1: Yeah.
0: Here, I feel like Rachel Ziegler is so much, it's like out singing and out acting, like laps around Elgort in this film. And obviously Elgort had a little bit of a scandal i think like soon before this came out some accusations or something i forget mm-hmm. exactly the nature of it but yeah, then again in hollywood like it's kind of par for the course now unfortunately mm-hmm. it, did you feel that watching the, the remake that there was a off balance between the two of them
1: right well repeating it again I, bamer and, and wood are kind of you know wouldn't right they're they're fine but they're not like right. knockout stuff and that's that's okay like i said they're avatars for us right right exactly the main flaw i think in giving tony the extra backstory is it takes away some of that uh blank slate right it gives him more yeah. of a thing that we can't really identify with even though we all have anger in us or whatever but i think elgort does fine yeah. like the tony character he sells the dramatic moments like we talked about but he his singing is okay there's I was in drama in in high school, and they 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 teach you different things. Like if you're on stage, there are signs or tells that that show you that you're lip syncing right. to something. And Elgort has this thing where he his chin quivers when he's singing. Yeah. And even though he doesn't have the greatest voice, like him doing that, it sells. Oh, he's singing. Like I get, I get it. Like I, it doesn't. Yeah. I, I, he It feels like that. But I, I agree. Like Ziegler, kind of is she is acting circles around because she's so. Yeah charismatic and she's so fun to watch and her
0: film she's, debut we should mention oh
1: my gosh yeah i think she out of 500 people i think there's a video of spielberg telling her that she got the part which is very heartfelt <laughs> thing to watch but like i i think Elgord is fine like i i get why she would like this kind of lug kind of person and he sells right. like <laughs> the dragon but ziegler is the better actor out of those two he, she's he doing the work
0: he doesn't feel as inherently likable, I guess, in a way, to, as Richard Beamer either. Like, there's a scene where he's like, <laughs> I think he says something. It's the balcony, it's the uh, fire escape scene. And he's like, Oh, you know, he'll come around to like me. Everybody does, or something. And then she's like, Really? And he's like, uh, Maybe not. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, There's a certain smugness that he has as an actor yeah. that yeah. doesn't lend itself to this character in that same way. You're like, uh, I don't know. You could probably yeah. do better.
1: I'm eighty percent of you, dude. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas
1: Ziegler, you're all in. Like you, I completely. One
0: hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And she's doing her own singing, so that helps
1: too. Great voice too. Why? So why good. is she doing a Hunger's Game, Hunger Games movie? Like she, I. Yeah. This no. this is the movie that this well, was one of those performances that should have launched her into the stratosphere, and instead she's got to fire her agent, I guess. I well,
0: know. instead she's in the Shazam sequel that nobody saw yeah I mean I saw it, it was, it's fine she's she's good in it but it's not she doesn't have much to do uh and then to bring our conversation full circle she's playing Snow White in the live action Disney one that's coming out <laughs> uh, which I'm, I'm sure she'll be good in that I'll probably see it for her uh and then you know forget about it as I walk out of the theater <laughs> but yeah yeah so she's super talented more of her in better things I guess is what we're saying you mentioned you already mentioned Mike Feist I think he's he was getting lots of at least on film Twitter, lots of critical praise for his Uh, performance here. And I think he he is so, yeah, he's so good.
1: What's great about him is he looks like a lurpy kind of weakling,
0: yeah, but he's
1: got such confidence and the way that he stands, like I buy him as somebody, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it other than that I just like him. Like, I like him. Even though he's a bully, even though he's a blowhard, even though he's obviously doing the wrong thing. It's those little moments, like I said, his moments with Tony, his moment when you see him in the background reacting to what he's done to his friend, that kind of thing. He's just – he's a ball of energy, I guess. He's just a ball of charisma, a ball of energy. just a, He's just great to watch. It's magnetic and all the – like I said, all the adjectives we can apply to him. So Yeah, yeah and, and via
0: term. Tony – We get more uh, a little more history on him, like you said, where he's like he hadn't didn't have a family and like his is kind of struggling. So uh, again, it puts all of that into into good into a a a more grounded context. I guess I keep saying that because it does. It feels like these these people feel like real people instead of characters in a Hollywood musical.
1: It gives them a reason, even though the reason is their how they're reacting is wrong. At least it gives them a reason, so we can see where they're coming from. And the difference between. Crap! I'm I'm just I'm blanking on his name. Riff in the uh, Tamblin. like his death scene versus face uh, or feist death scene in this. Or I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Uh, good man. But like his the death scenes are so different. Like again, it's more theatrical in the '61. Mm -hmm. It's. The way that he steps in for Tony, and it's not just he's fighting for the Jets, he's fighting to save his friend, like he doesn't want his friend to do this. And then right. just the way that he gets stabbed, and he turns around, and he starts laughing, and he says, it's okay, right? It's it's all right, like heartbreaking. And that's yeah. not just, all you're saying is it's okay. Like that's not a heartbreaking line, but the fact that he says it's okay, and it breaks your heart, and you feel that loss, such, such a good job. He does such a good job on this.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we mentioned uh, David Alvarez a little bit as Bernardo. He's a boxer, so again, like it makes sense that he would only know how to fight.
1: He's you not bad on the scene. eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the, the the scene where he's like apologizing to Maria, and then also like he like doesn't he like apologize and then kind of double down. <laughs>
1: yeah he's like i'm
0: sorry but also my job is to protect yeah. you and there's literally a part <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. where
1: he's getting yelled at from anita and maria and he like he can any he, he pounds his fist on the table i thought that was really funny and human yeah i shouldn't be losing to these women like i'm trying to is he then, man yeah. here <laughs> yeah. There a lot. yeah 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 so good and his the look on his face when he kills riff yeah uh, again shakira sells it in the 61 um Alvarez sells it in this like what I love is these are boys at play right they didn't expect this to happen even though they should have expected this to happen and and Feist and Alvarez and Elgort they sell all this and so I I don't want to take away from their performances there they it's really strong that whole section
0: I agree and Ariana DeBose obviously not enough (laughs) why why is she not in more stuff she yeah I know I know why are these people well, not in more things? She is, she's on season two. She's in the the she's on the the Apple TV Plus show Schmigadoon. Oh, right. uh, she, Good. which I I haven't seen season two yet, but I I, I enjoyed season one quite a bit. And she's do, again, <laughs> everybody's working for Disney. She's doing the the lead voice in uh, Wish, Wish. Yeah, that's yeah. coming okay. out from Disney Animation. So, right. uh, she's definitely on her. She just hosted the Tonys as of this recording yesterday. Nope. Yeah, so uh, cool. she's, she's doing things and um, she's one of those, she's one of those talents that you could pretty much see doing just about anything like drama, mm-hmm. comedy, romance, singing, dancing, acting. Like it, she's easily for me the standout of this movie and just in a way that Rita Moreno is in the original, like,
1: She's Everybody a standout is, in a sea of standouts. Like that's yeah, exactly. how good she is.
0: Yeah. 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 hundred percent. They give Anita, they, we get a little more like quiet moments with Anita. Anita, Anita making eggs and dealing with the, the domestic situation at home. Yeah. And we, we find out, I think they mentioned it in the original film uh, that she's like, she works as like a, a seamstress essentially, or whatever right, right. the, what is the, what is the, I'm sure that's not the term nowadays, whatever the term is for that. Because uh, right. that's a that's a gender based term. I'm sure that's not what we call them now. <laughs> uh, I don't want people writing me angry letters because I'm not trying to be offensive. Yeah. So that, that's what she does for work. Uh, you know, we get a little a l- little more background on there, like, just a lot of character moments between her and Alvarez and Zegler that I, I think yeah. just add so much so much more depth to that character, a character that already had lots of depth to begin with. And then you add the singing and the dancing and everything on top of it, and it's just like she, you know, the the a boy like that sequence is just, yeah, ugh, amazing.
1: If you look at Dupont, it's not fair.
0: <laughs> like yeah. nobody
1: should be that good at so many things. That's
0: I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, the the sort of meta text of the attack scene where. Uh, we should probably say that because there's a lot of little uh, there's, there's some little adjustments in that scene that I think are, are handled pretty pretty well for the most part mm-hmm. uh obviously they comment on her skin color uh and her passing and you know mm-hmm. she's like let me pass and it's like oh she's too dark to pass and all of that stuff and then you get Graciela kind of sticking up for her in this version which I think is a, is a is a wise change uh but just having Irena DeBose as Anita getting attacked and then green moreno as valentina coming in and literally kicking their ass and and, and calling them rapists uh, so it's it just it makes that scene hit so much harder we know, obviously that was the implied intention in the original movie but it, the fact that they call it out here i think it makes it that like uh, that much more powerful what are your what are your thoughts on the updated version of that scene cuz it is sort of a sensitive uh, topic obviously
1: well, like uh, Walter Chai, I believe, said in his review, it's like, that's the moment where West Side Story stops being nice about what it's about, right? Yeah. It, that's when it stops pulling its punches and puts everything on the table. That scene, first of all, in the in the original, it's awful, right? It, any scene like yeah. that is just awful. Because, of course. But the thing is, it's the same thing. Everybody's giving in to their hate, right? What's heartbreaking about it is, first of all, it's Anita that has the America song, right? She has mm-hmm. so much hope in it. And the fact that they play America... On the soundtrack as she's being attacked in kind of a bastardized version. It's it you can tell why she's being corrupted and why she turns because Anita because Maria has gotten to her. She's gotten to her to the point where, yes, Anita, can you go down and tell Tony to wait for me here? And and Anita goes for it, even though she breaks down on the stairs, right? She's She's making steps to overcome. But then when she goes into Doc's place and that happens to her, right? Even Graziella to a point, she attacks her when she first comes in. Like, get out yeah. of here. You don't belong here, right? And the thing that's – I think that's what makes it so harrowing is you have Graziella and I think i think it's Dot. I think that's the name of the other character. Don't, don't quote me on that. But the fact that you have the two girls there, the two girlfriends in Doc's shop where they weren't there in the original and the boys – they shove them outside Mm -hmm. and they lock the door and as they're they're shutting them outside on
0: the door yeah yeah
1: yeah graziella is reach like anita reaches for graziella's hand and graziella's like don't do this don't touch her like they know what's going to happen they reach for each other even though they're at odds they're bonding over this unfair terrible monstrous thing that's going to happen that they're powerless over right the fact that they shut them outside and like you said they're banging on the door it just makes it so awful it's awful i'm not one for rape scenes and i i right. absolutely cannot stand them and so the fact that they add that extra layer the fact that it's again rita moreno coming in the fact that they cast rita moreno like when she shows up i like it's it's fan service right from the very beginning when you see her it's sure. fan service she's the star of the original she's going to be in here let's give her a big part right she's obviously the executive producer right so it, and they give her some uh somewhere which it works in this one because it gives it from the perspective of Valentina tried to bridge that gap between the two worlds, right? She fell in love with a gringo and they had a good life together until he died. And she sings to him. It's ironic about how somewhere we had this life. We found this life somewhere. There's a life where other people can kind of find it too. So that right there was like, okay, like that's not just fan service. You're, you're twisting it a little bit. You're giving it the yeah. top gun Maverick spin, right? <laughs> like, exactly. There you you're go. making it mean something instead of just being something that Leonardo DiCaprio can point at right but when she comes and she saves anita and anita first of all she says no soy americana like she's part of the canyon that kind of i'm not an american i'm a puerto rican because she realizes that this america is shit right it's not what mm-hmm. she wanted to be and it never will right so she's going to be a puerto rican the fact that she turns to valentina and we know that valentina is struggling you know what's going on in her head she says to valentina you're a traitor That. <laughs> That's the awful on top of the awful cake, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh my gosh, your heart is on the floor at that point because these people, we know that Valentina is trying. We know that Anita is trying. We know that Graziella didn't mean for this to happen, but it's just built to this point where they can't avoid any of this. And that's what makes it so harrowing and so heartbreaking and so sad and so angry. It makes you so angry that we've gotten to this point where when Anita says, chino found maria and shot her like you're like yeah you're totally okay i'm okay with you saying that like you're you absolutely deserve to have that moment right because you've you've been led to this point so yeah (laughs) like i said this them making these changes it's not just to cause more problems it's to bring up more points that the original didn't have time to make or didn't have the wherewithal to make
0: Right or the interest at the time. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Make. yeah. I, it does feel like this one is is commenting more on cultural identity because the whole thing, like you said, is Anita is like, oh, you know, we're here, we're Americans now, and then to to have that sort of be confronted here with Valentina being like, no, I'm I'm Puerto Rican, like I don't want to be American. If this was being, is this what being American means? Then I don't want any part of that. And it's sort of questioning. It's sort of raising that that question: if you're an immigrant and you're coming from another country, how much of your culture do you imprint on your new new country, and how much of your new country do you want to absorb into your you know who you are? And mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting. The movie doesn't, I don't think, has have an answer necessarily for no, it because both sides are represented, but it raises that question. Whereas I don't think the the other one kind of touches on it here and there, but not really. Not as not as directly in this as this one. And this from the off, there's there's a little more everything in this movie, and it's just probably by the virtue of that it's made in 2021 and instead of 1961, there's a little more violence, it's a little nastier, there's a nail in an ear, there's vandalization of the Puerto Rican flag that but happens it has in to be. the Ops. Yeah, of course it has to be. But yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's how it's how that conflict would be pertinent to today's world and today's audience. Like you couldn't have the original come out. And it wouldn't have the same impact. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't do justice to the story and the and the themes that this is trying to touch on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no. I love the I love the addition of Valentina, and I love the the uh, implication that the relationship between her and Doc brings to this uh, to this one. I also think it's interesting the that anybody's is more <laughs> blatantly sort of trans representation here mm-hmm. than in the other one, because in the other one. You know, anybody's is is. I don't think in the. You can correct correct me if I'm wrong. In the original, anybody's is portrayed as a girl who just wants to be part of the gang, and they're like, "No, you're a girl." Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you're a girl. This is a boys' club. And then now, anybody's is identifying as male. Like, no, I'm not a girl, and gets into a whole you know argument in the like fight in the uh, in the police station. Uh, as a result I, I think that's an interesting change and adds another layer of of representation to this movie how did that how did that play for you in this film that already is dealing with sort of identity and uh, you know in a modern lens
1: well what's the term that the kids use woke right whatever that means right. I don't mean this to be disrespectful um, yeah. the anybody's character in the original is a character that you could probably lift out like it you don't necessarily need her in there right? It's yeah. just, she just wants to be, it's just another aspect of that world. And it's the same thing here. Like you didn't need to include anybody's, but the fact that they include here, it's what's Iris Menace is her as the act, uh, the person's name. What does she, she identify as a, I want to make sure I get her as the right.
0: Program. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> At they, I think she goes by, uh, or they go by they. Okay. I, again, I'm, yes, I'm yes. the old guy that's trying to make, make sure that I'm being respected. A hundred percent. Same. They, the fact that they're in this movie, Right. It, again, you, you don't really need that. You could have lifted it out. It is it is trying to modernize it in a way, but it, it does it as a counterpoint. It adds – if you're going to have to have anybody's in it and port it over from the 61, I like the aspect that, sh- that the anybody's character identifies more with the Puerto Ricans because anybody's also wants to be part of a world that treats them like shit, right? Anybody's wants to be a part of this world that doesn't want them. As part of this world, and so I like that idea that it ties in with them. So you you get what I'm saying. Like if you're going to have anybody's yeah. in it, at least tie it in in a way that it makes sense in it. I like the way that at least they wrote her, wrote them <laughs> in in this yeah. movie.
0: Yeah, if you're going to have that character do something interesting with it, rather than yeah. yeah, for sure. We sort of mentioned already the the whole the origin of the gun, which is what I guess what I'm calling that sort of subplot. Uh, in the original, Chino just has a gun, and that just comes out of nowhere. Here we get Riff going to buy a gun and then we get uh, the reveal that he has a gun with, with Tony and, and we get cool, not only in a different order Mm. than in the, uh, than the original film sung by different characters than in the original film. How how did that play for you? The fact that now cool is part of that as well as the, the whole gun subplot and the way that it plays into the story and, uh, how it it factors into obviously becoming getting to Chino's hands eventually, but the way that it's riff, I, I the one aspect of it that I do really like is that riff has the gun and then sees Tony and it's like, here, you take the gun. I don't need it. It was just insurance mm-hmm. for you to be here because I needed something to, you know, to uh, to make me feel more comfortable and to f- defend myself. And uh, and yeah, and then it ends up kind of being Tony's undoing.
1: Well i had i have a feeling that we were going to come back to some of the songs and talk about some of the songs in particular so i'll save my feelings on uh a cool but as Uh, far as the gun goes what i want to say is that first of all the gun is the point of no return like once you make that decision that's like that you're it's more than just knives or rocks like that is a killing weapon that's it's just made for killing right so that's, that's definitely bringing that in and, and making a point of it and having that whole scene where it adds a gravity to what um, Riff is doing. But the thing that I really love, like I mentioned before, like the first uh, dance fight that you see in the 61 is them in a playground, which is a visual representation of kids at play.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: they get the gun, the first thing that they do is they're running around um, know. in that parking lot, <laughs> they pew, 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 you know, but they're <laughs> playing guns like kids.
0: Yeah, I know. It's great.
1: They, when you see Riff getting the gun, he's macho. He's got his armor on. He's got his front on to, to seem like a man. But as soon as they go out, they're pretending shooting, making those gun noises, right? They don't – like we've mentioned, they don't realize the gravity of the situation until somebody actually dies. Like Tony is trying to tell them, you haven't been in jail. You haven't been experienced experience in this stuff. Like this means business. This is serious and you're not going to be able to come back from this. And they – they go through that. I like that they make that point. I like that instead of just being a repeat of the playground, they do another separate thing that, again, is good And what a good remake does. It makes the same point, but in a, maybe a different way that it's not just like verbatim from what we've seen before. So that aspect, I thought, was a, a, a neat. It Again, it, it leads to more interesting things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Let's see there's some, there's some stuff with Tony and Maria that I thought like more development on their dynamic and they're getting to know each other and talking about the implications of the relationship. He start he tries to learn Spanish a little bit as Valentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that I thought was, was, a, was a, 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 smart way of sort of uh, developing both care. Oh, I guess more Tony. I, to your point earlier, I just feel like Tony gets way more extra than Maria does. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's stacked too much on his side narratively and yet Zegler still still outperforms Elgord. it's it's well, I don't know I, I've yeah
1: it's, it's fortuitous right I don't know if they meant it this way that oh yeah. like Elgord isn't as great of an actor but we need to give him at least more stuff because he can't sell what he has so we need to give him different things to do well he's right? also
0: of these people the only of the main actors the only one that's uh, obviously outside of Rita Moreno the only one that's been in like hit movies really. Like he's baby fault driver. in our stars and baby yeah. driver. Yeah. So he's headlined, he's the biggest name in this movie, really.
1: Yeah, yep, yep. Cause he gets top billing like uh Natalie yeah. Wood did, right? Exactly. So yeah, it's it's fortuitous. I, I don't know if it's so much stacking the deck as much as, well, it's a good thing they gave him this stuff. Otherwise <laughs> he would have absolutely nothing to play with or impress us with.
0: Yeah. Um, is there anything about the 2021 West Side Story you want to uh, to bring up before we get to our next segment?
1: Well, I think we've mostly talked about everything. I mean, it's like oh, like the, the colors. Obviously, it's not quite the color the the. Uh, <laughs> well, there are some things that I'll mention. Like I'll I'll come back as
0: we go as, into it. Yeah. yeah. As we go, yeah. but
1: like I don't know. I think this is it's. I think it's a. <laughs> I think it's a pointless remake in that it doesn't it's still got just as many people angry or a whole new generation of people angry. But again, yeah. maybe that's the point. Maybe the point of West side story is to make you angry and to shock you. All, all the stuff that's happening, right. you're talking about Trump's America, things like that. There's a difference between being angry and just sitting on your chair and just bitching about everything and not doing anything and getting off your chair and Trying to make a difference, trying to counter right. stuff that you see as bad, right? So I don't know, is, the, is that the point or it? Is it just trying to make you angry from your theater seat or is it trying to inspire you to be better and, and make the world around you better?
0: Yeah.
1: But the fact that it choose made- Choose love. Yeah, choose love. The fact yeah, that it made definitely. people angry though kind of makes me sad because it's like, well, I didn't want you to be more angry. Like <laughs> we don't need more anger in this world, right? Yeah. What about this movie makes you be like, we need more division.
0: That's what I think we need. Like we need to, we yeah, need to right. hate each other just a little bit more and then we'll, then we'll reach. Yeah. Then we'll reach nirvana or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. God. Obviously this is a, a le- legendary score and song selections mm-hmm. uh, composed by Leonard Bernstein. with lyrics by S- Stephen Sondheim, who was like his 25 first, at the this, time. Yeah, this is his first musical.
1: Yeah. Crazy.
0: Insane. Based on the 1957 stage musical, like we said, all these beautiful, all these wonderful, iconic songs. But let's talk about six. So, Darren, give me your. <laughs> we're gonna do our favorite West Side Story songs, and this is I say that favorite in air quotes, but only because <laughs> it's like it could change depending on my mood, uh, yeah. and I'm assuming the same might be true for you. So, what is your number six?
1: Okay, are we gonna go me and then you and then me and then you? I'm you we'll gonna give you all yeah. six
0: you and then me and we'll do six okay. we'll, yeah like that okay well all- well,
1: we'll start with <laughs> i love there's only one song that i don't like and it's it's in both versions i kind of I, and it's the uh g officer Krup- krupke i my no, eyes glaze neither. over <laughs> it's, yeah so it has so a lot of sondheim's fun wordplay and there's some fun right. uh, melodies but it's like i'm like this is filler. Like, it just feels like it, there's nothing about the song that hasn't been said in their actions or their dialogue. Anyway, so yeah, uh, I, agree. My reason from, I love every song and every musical, except for that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But my number six, I'm going to have to put, um, and this counts for both. If we're going to do this, the, the remake and the Jet song, I think is my number six, because in the original, like I said, it's the one that gets me wrapped up in the world and and prepped for what I'm about to watch. And the mood that it's setting and the aesthetic that it's setting. Right. But the thing that I noticed with jet song is this is freaking Spielberg, right? The, the, the whole thing starts off with a shot of the dilapidated ruins. So that's already telling you what the story is going to be based on. Literally. It's going to be based on rubble, right? Destruction. Mm -hmm. And when they keep building, they keep adding layers. Same thing with my number one, they keep adding, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. There is a part When I watch this in the theater, when the jets are walking across the street and there's a series of cars that break on the beat of the song, (laughs) and I freaking yelped in the theater because that just brought me so much joy, right? And I think out of my six, this is, you know, from the remake, this is why I picked a lot of these ones because of the stuff that Spielberg brings to these songs with the fact that he's Spielberg. Right, so what? I just, I don't know the energy of Jet Song and both is just there. I love that Spielberg brings his own attitude and aesthetic to it. So yeah, Jet Song's uh, that's my number six.
0: No, that's a good that's a good call. My number six is Something's Coming, and I think it's because with this with this six, I was trying to because there's a lot of great Tony Maria songs, yeah. and so I was like trying to spread the wealth a little bit. And I think you need Something's Coming because it's it gets you that. It gives you the optimism, that high, that that hope, that mm-hmm. is then crushed by the end of the movie. <laughs> and it's just also so much fun to sing. I think specifically Richard Beamer does a great job with it. Again, like we said, Elgort is, I think, serviceable in in the remake at best. Uh, so he's his version is is fine. But uh, it's just it's a song that always really resonates with me, just because it's it is like you were saying. You can use that song as your avatar anytime you're feeling good about anything. You can sing that and be like, something's coming, you know? It's kind of like uh, part of your world from The Little Mermaid, not to keep yep. bringing that up. It's like, you know, it's it's the I Want song, like you said earlier. Like, And I, and I think that's such a classic musical trope, and it's done so well here, by, especially in the original film. Um, what do you have as number five?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, when you bring up Little Mermaid, all I think about is the, the animated movie, so don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's <laughs> anyway, probably the
1: Number 5 I have somewhere from the remake we've already talked about it I like that it's not just fan service I like that they give this to Moreno so that she can again add a different layer to the movie that adds a sense of melancholy and heart to the story that that Valentina is trying she tried to bridge that gap and it's Rita Moreno so I'm not going to criticize her singing voice or anything like that like or her, her charisma yeah. so I I love that as a counterpoint to the original and it made, yeah, it's, it's and it's lovely too in the original. I like that that's their theme. It's like somewhere there's a world and it makes sense in the 61, but the fact that they moved it to the remake and I think they moved it correctly, I think that works.
0: Yeah, it, it adds a new dimension to the story too. It gives her, uh, it gives Valentina something, it, it strengthens her perspective and it gives the movie something else Isn't, to to touch on uh, And by putting that, because like I said, there's a lot of Tony and Maria songs about look we love each other and we're gonna to be together forever. There's like a <laughs> few of those that I was struggling to choose from. Uh, number five, I have Maria because for this for the similar the similar reasons for something's coming. It's that high of you you know you, a world of possibilities opening up. I think both movies do an incredible job with it. I actually love the way Spielberg stages uh, Maria in the remake with Al Gore. Um, and like I said, it's just so much, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful song and it, it gets, it goes loud and then goes quiet. There's so much range in the, uh, in the vocal delivery and uh, yeah, it's just, it's always been one of the ones that really stuck out to me. Okay, good. (laughs) What do you have at number four?
1: Number or number three, right? Uh, no, number four. four, Okay. No, no, you're good. Number four. I have, I feel pretty. Like I, I, for some reason I joined this with another one. So yeah, number four, I have, I feel pretty. In the remake, well, actually, we'll do both. Like I like yeah, that, and yeah, I feel pretty like if you're looking at their colors, right? There's 61. When we first meet uh, Tony, he's wearing a yellow jacket, right, at the dance, and just like Griff is wearing a yellow jacket in that scene when Natalie Wood is singing as Maria, she is now wearing a yellow dress, right. So it's visually telling you that she is coming around to you know she doesn't care about you know the color represents that she's in love with tony right she's coming around to where where he is and she's meeting him halfway kind of i guess that makes sense so -hmm. that's cool but even sondheim was kind of annoyed with the song i think they had it originally right after the rumble it opened the second act and so they weren't really comfortable with it but the producers were like we need an upbeat song to bring us back in right and then the 61 they move it to before to the start of the second act So obviously it's not the greatest song. I think Sondheim's complaint was that Maria's a little too verbose and too poetic for a girl that's trying to struggle with the the language that she's trying to learn. Right. She knows. But in the again, it's a Spielberg thing. The fact that they move I Feel Pretty, not just to a dress shop, but to that. What's the name of the shop that they're in? Gimbal's. Gimbal's. The fact that they move it to Gimbal's, this posh department store. Mm-hmm. Where it's got a fourteen or seventeen dollar scarf that Maria's not going to be able to afford when her when Anita's making scarves or making fabric back at the, the apartment or whatever, a seventeen dollar scarf that they can reproduce for you know less than that, all that stuff. The fact that it's the pretty and witty and uh, gay or whatever, pretty witty and bright, right? Yeah. Like when Maria sits down. Like you see, uh, I think there's a sign in, that says witty wear with bright autumn flare." So when she says witty and pretty and bright, she, I think she gets that because this, of the sign, right? That's where she gets the wording from. Yeah. So I like that, that it gives the story more. I like that it's they move it back to where it was in the play because it's a happy song right after the rumble. So it's tough to exactly. watch because we know that heartbreak is coming, that it's all. Dramatic yeah,
0: irony. Yeah, right.
1: It's all pointless, like her joy right here. But I love that Spielberg places it in this shop, that these, this group of girls, they'll never be the people that are shopping in this place. They'll always be the people that are cleaning it for the people that are shopping it. But the song gives them like some, a goal to shoot for, I guess. So I, I love that visual representation, even though the song's not the greatest.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, good call. Uh, Number four, I have, I'm going to cheat and technically squeeze two songs in here. (laughs) Tonight and the Tonight Quintet, which are, Mm. I'm going to count that as a reprise of Tonight. The first one, obviously, it's the classic balcony scene. Like you can't, it's kind of unimpeachable when it comes to Hollywood musicals. Uh, I think the new one does a good job, a solid job with it as well. And then the quintet, like I'm such a sucker for any time in a musical, you have all the overlapping voices, <laughs> the, the Les is like one, one day, one, what is it? One day more. And Hamilton's nonstop. And like all, anytime the musical does that, I, I'm like, I, it's like catnip to me. It's not to be uh not, not to be uh, a pun with cats because I think they might do that at one point or another. <laughs> uh, it's this very strange movie. No, I I love that. I think it's, it's the the first song is uh, the foundation. It's probably one of the, the most memorable songs from the Tony Maria selections, the Tony Maria playlist of which there are like what, four or five songs <laughs> and the quintet building up the tension towards the rumble. I love how Tony's singing about being loved, and Maria's singing about being loved. The Jets and Sharks are singing about how much ass they're gonna kick, and Maria's like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be on." <laughs> when, <laughs> when Bernardo comes back, and she's like, "I'm gonna have a private little mix." Mm-hmm. Who cares as long as he's hot? Like, I think that it's a hilarious counterpoint mm-hmm. to everybody else who's either like in ro- in the throes of romance or like violence, and I, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's 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 the perfect encapsulation of like the highs and lows. Of the story, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: it's good stuff. <laughs> number, uh, what do you what do you have for number
1: three? You're gonna love this. I actually have tonight and tonight quintet as my number three. Nice. And the reason I have tonight quintet, and the reason I was laughing is that is also my favorite part of any musical, where all of a sudden everybody's yes. singing their own. Uh, i want song they're singing but they're all overlapping you know that i love that I, it's like the in phantom of the opera where they're singing about the the letter or whatever when they're yeah. all and they all come together at the end to sing that one oh that's just like you said it's catnip for me like at the end musical.
0: it's like uh the point of no return it's it's yep, yep. Uh, Absolutely. phantom and christine and uh, yeah, when well, they bring yeah. That all in.
1: so yeah i mean that's there's Nothing really more I can add. That's deep to it. Other than that, that's I, I think both versions like really nail that. That's the high point of the movie for me both times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only thing I'll, I guess I'll add is I love again the visual difference is that Spielberg for ten for tonight when um, Tony and Maria are singing each other, they're they're framed like behind bars, like in their own personal prisons he tries to climb up to her and they're separated because there's uh, a lock that he can't get through. And that's again, a visual representation of where their characters are at. Right. But then Tony is able to climb around it and then the outside to get to her, to tell you that there are ways to get through this, right? There are ways to overcome this. I love that man. and, And they do it to a certain degree in the original too, but I love that idea that they've got hope and it's visualized. So yeah, I mean my lizard brain just kicks in when tonight, Quintet kicks in but visually I think it also works beautifully
0: for sure number three I have somewhere which you already mentioned the remake I love the application there I love the that it is essentially kind of the Tony Maria love theme in the in the original film that it's it's the song at the end that she sings when he's dying in her arms essentially I think it's and the fact that they took the song that's Tony and Maria's love theme in the original film and underscores the tragedy of, of that romance and give it to Valentina in the new one. It, it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of like Rita Moreno's casting in the, in the remake altogether and that it should be fan service, but in yet and still enriches it. Like if you know the original film, you know, the, the role that that song plays in the original film, hearing Rita Moreno sing it adds that much more uh, of an, of, to the experience to the point that one of the trailers for the remake literally Mm -hmm. had that, that song playing over it. Yep. So yeah, I I just, I love that. And I love that it it fits into both versions in different ways. Uh, What do you have for number two? Number two, I have cool.
1: And again, it has to do with number one. Like you said, I love how they move it. Like originally, I think in the original play, and they again, they moved it for 60 and the original play, it's riff singing to his jet saying, you know, we're about to go to the rumble. I need you to be cool or whatever. I think that's how the place was in the 61. They move it to right after um, riff has been killed to kind of right. keep there and focus on continuing to be racist assholes. Can I guess I guess that's the point in the 61. Yeah, where it's he's, like
0: ice gets a, a solo, which is, yeah. which is strange. Yeah.
1: But again, it's to, it's to perpetuate more hate right in that way i love how they move it here and it's not just that it's tony it's because they don't have that i I, like i said i love that dynamic between riff and tony that extra you can tell why they're friends other than the screenplay just telling us that they're friends other than just you know tamblin telling us in his sincerity that they're friends like you have them obviously fighting tony's trying to get through to him but they're kind of not they're on the opposite ends right and the fact that spielberg and kaminsky they stage it on a dilapidated broken down bridge where there's holes that's (laughs) holy cow that's a visual representation of what's actually happening it's not just the song Mm -hmm. it's not just the dialogue and again I guess at this point I need to make sure because when you say Spielberg does these great shots people are always like well it's Janusz Kaminski that's actually coming up with because he's the DP right but if you ever see Spielberg work like you see him working out shots so he's working i think it's more spielberg coming up with ideas and yeah kaminsky has his own ideas but he's telling kaminsky this is what i want to do how are we going to shoot it and then kaminsky comes up with a way to shoot it right but spielberg to see him because when he did jurassic park or when he did uh, raiders he would have like storyboards but he would also have these little figures that he would have or, or set that he would kind of map out where his shots would go to see him after being like trying to do these dramas or trying to be more relevant as far as like not more blockbuster uh, populist stuff, to see him go back and in the the machine stuff and see Spielberg doing working things out with set on um, with dolls and with sets and with cameras like that shows you that yeah, he's back in, he's all into this, and it's it seems like it's it's exciting filmmaking, but it's also he's got. Just these ideas that he's gonna have different rep- visual representations of how to hit the home or how to hit differently with everything being said in this and cool is like I, I just love even though again I don't love the song, I think it's great and it's energetically done, mm-hmm. but I just love where it's yeah. it's placed. So Yeah,
0: no, totally.
1: So so many tangents, Robert. I'm sorry, these long <laughs> <many> <laughs> No, tangents. it's all good. I, I can't just say cool is cool. I have to <laughs> It is. It is cool though. Yeah. But yeah.
0: No, no, it's yeah it's, it's 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 again like somewhere it's the other song that they they find a different place for in the remake and I think that's an, an interesting decision. uh I have a number two and I actually to be honest with you, I literally just swapped it because I was like i can't I can't have that other song be number two. It's gotta be number one because I've been like it was like a razor's a razor's edge and I was like, no, because in my notes I have the no- the name of my number one song in all caps with an exclamation. <laughs> point. So I have to be true to myself. So yeah. number two, I have a boy like that slash I have a love. Mm. Okay. Because I, I it always floors me the emotional complexity in that song, the fact that it starts out with Tony sneaking out the out the window after uh, spending a romantic evening with Maria, like I had a whole tangent about earlier and, um, her, Anita confronting her and saying, you know, a boy like that has, can have no love. And the, the way it's sung, the the way Marina Moreno, uh, and Ariana DeVos, who, like I said, all of these performances, especially in the remake, most of them are pretty solid. I do think like, it's hard for me to pick whether like Rita Moreno's or Ariana DeVos's performance. Like, I think they're like, it's impossible to say that Ariana DeVos is like, almost basically to the level of Rita Moreno, but she kind of is in (laughs) in this movie. And it's both of them deliver that with such passion and such ferocity. And the fact that it turns where they, in the remake, they, uh, they, they sing their, their lines. They sing that, that, that refrain again, sort of overlapping, which I I think I love as, as a representation for their, their arguing and their intensity of the emotions that's happening in, in that instance. And, um, the moment where Maria calls her out, she's like, "You know you 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 know you should know better and she mm-hmm. yells at her that you know you were in love or so you said, confronting her, like if anyone would understand what it feels like to feel this kind of love for someone else and sacrifice everything to pursue it i I would think you would be the person to understand it. So yeah. it starts with Anita being furious with with Maria, and it ends with her being willing to help her out and it's, yeah. you know, still in the remake. And I love that the remake has, she's, you know, she's asked her, will you forgive, will you forgive him? Will you, could you forgive me? And she's like, you, you can't ever ask me that. And like, you, you know, you need to get, he needs to get far away from him and you need to yeah. go like, I'm not going to forgive you. I'll help you because I understand, but mm-hmm. also you two need to leave town and never come back. Yeah, and I never yeah. want to see you again. I, I that's, it's so it's, uh, it's very powerful.
1: It's not a hummable song. Like you don't walk out no, humming no, no. that song. But you're right. It's that I I had that originally on my list. Not. It's just there's so much power to that. Just and it has to do with those actresses. Like I can't really say that they sell it quite as well in the '61 because I think Dubose and Ziegler just are just yeah. a different. They're on playing. more
0: equal. They're more on, on more equal footing. I think in the remake for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's just it. Like you said, it's so powerful. And and we we came. We mentioned that before. That this is. You know, this is Maria getting through to Anita, like, and and it works for a time. But it's still human in that you can't ask me to forgive because this is too much, right? So yeah, that's that's an awesome pick, and it's that's what a musical should do. If it's not going to be an earworm, it really needs to just tug at those heartstrings. And I think that's a that's a great one to have on your list,
0: definitely. Uh, What do you have at number one? I think I have an idea.
1: Yeah, I think our number ones are going to match. We might as well just both show. It's got to be America. It is, yeah. And it's in both. They're both... Obviously, the remake... It, it widens it out, it, it broadens it, and it expands it. Definitely so it's more than just, but
0: takes it on the road, literally.
1: Yeah. When I mentioned before, when I watched it in elementary school, when I saw what the electricity of that dance and the there, everybody is so good. Shakuras is so good, Moreno is so good. All the backup dancers and singers, they're so good. Every move is just every footstep that they take, every you know shoulder bump that they, it's like they give it so much energy that it would wear me out if I were to do that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's so energetic, even though it just takes place on a rooftop. And then the note that I had As soon as Anita comes out in that yellow dress, I was like, oh, boy, here comes the yellow dress. I know what song is coming. And just (laughs) The way that they go outside and they just expand it and just the twirling of the dresses and it's just all in unison and the camera's just darting around with everybody. You know, the camera work of that first dance scene where it seems to soar, it does that same thing. I don't know, man. It's, It's just so... it's the kind of thing, Robert, I don't know if you'd agree with this, where you can't just talk about it. You just have to go, you know what? And you'd sit down, you'd sit somebody in the couch, just watch it and you'll understand what I mean. Right.
0: It's also a microcosm of the movie and its themes too. It's, you get the, the optimistic side of things, the cynical side of things, which one is accurate to the immigrant experience, which, which side are they going to land on? It's also playful, but also, you know, they're like arguing slash flirting throughout the Mm -hmm. whole thing which I think is is really is really fun. Yeah, it's yeah, it, this is one that is easily uh is is one of the biggest earworms of the of the (laughs) musical as well like this will get stuck in your head Mm -hmm. well it's it's joyous
1: it's the one i think joyous song where there's no irony going on like i said there's no that three note conflict theme is not present here everything is just left behind and it's just about the hope and it's about the joy and you can feel that in every lyric and in every move that they make and every twirl of their dresses it's just oh it's just I can't <laughs> electric. And that's the only word I can just thinking about it gets me. Cause I need to go watch it again. I mean, that's how good it is.
0: I, I almost gave a boy like that. I have a love the edge because of the emotional aspect of it, but right. America just it's both of those sequences are so iconic. And, and like I said, the, the subtext of the song itself. Yeah. I, I, to the point that they, they didn't even really make that. They, they kept even the little details of the original, like when, when they're the girls are sort of like teasing the boys, and they do the, ow, 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 oh, that thing, yeah. like all of that. I'm like, yeah, I forgot <laughs> they kept the because this was my only my second time watching the remake. Mm. I saw it. I didn't even see it in theaters. I missed it in theaters. Like I wish I had gone to see it. Uh, so I saw it as soon as it hit Disney Plus, and then I rewatched it for this episode. The original I've seen a million times, so I I forgot like a lot of the little details and yeah. the fact that. Spielberg has that attention to detail. I'm not surprised, but it, it's, it, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it, it's the one from the, it's the ones from the remake that like, if you were to put each of these sequences sort of up against each other, it's the one where you're like, well, that's why you do a remake. You, you could, in you could either switch things up like they do with somewhere, like they do with cool, or you can blow them out. And this is, this is that example. This is that one. Instead of on a rooftop, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah, it's, yeah.
1: Well, that's what I mean, like both versions can exist side by side. Like I both think that they're just fantastic to watch. It's like, but it's different point of views. It's different. It's counterpoints. It's, you know, it's different energies. And, but like I said, they're both different acting styles, but they both work. You they both have their own, uh, I don't know, their own mood, their own tone, their own energy. And so I don't, even though I, (laughs) even though I said earlier, I think it might be a pointless remake. I think that it's still justifies it with the energy and the visuals and America is like, like you said, I have that as my number one, just because it's, that's the epitome of the whole movie. It's like, that's what this whole thing. This is why I go to movies, right. Yeah. To see this kind of stuff.
0: Now I will, I'll bring it up one last time. It's, it's the sequence for me in the live action, little mermaid when Haley Bailey, sings part of your world and knocks it out of the park.
1: Oh yeah. Great. I'm
0: like, so that that's the mission statement. That's the only reason, like just release a short film with her singing that. And that's all I would have needed. I didn't need anything else. Right. That's that, that is America basically for these, these two stories. (laughs) Like that's, you do it differently, but also equally as strong. I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a Testament to the music that only ones we didn't mention uh, other than the instrumentals, you know, obviously, are the Officer Krupke, which we both agree kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was the moment when I watched it last night, the remake. I was like, uh, now's the part I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the bathroom, to yeah, yeah. refill my water, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's that scene. Um, no knock to the, the songwriters or the actors. It's just like eh, I don't I could do without. This. Yeah. Uh, the only other one is One Hand, One Heart, which again, a lot of Tony Maria stuff to choose from. It's just kind of <laughs> the lesser of yeah. that bunch because it is pretty short and it is kind of, you know, it's just, it's a kind of, it's more of a moment in the film than it is a number, right.
1: but it's necessary to understand it's where it's coming
0: from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I almost threw that in. And then I was like, no, I got to put something's coming in there. <laughs> Normally at this point, this is when I tell people like to sell listeners on the selection, but this movie so iconic. Like everybody has heard of West side story. If you haven't seen West side story, watch West side story. The remake, uh, the original is on uh According to justwatch.com, which I, I use kind of frequently for these things, is on like Paramount uh, Paramount Plus or Roku channel, Hoopla, Tubi, a lot of say, Pluto TV, some of which are free. Uh, and then the remake, of course, like we said, on Disney Plus. Is there anything else you want to add? I feel like we've all we're almost reaching the runtime of these two movies, <laughs> which think, again, not surprised.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about before we started recording this is another Dark Knight episode. It's like there's it no we could talk for hours and hours and hours and just have a whole season of episodes about all the stuff that, that we loved, all the stuff that's problematic. I think the only thing I would say is if you hate West Side Story, either version, that's uh, that's great. Like, I don't. I think we're in a world where just because I like something, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to like it. Right. I get that it's a little more, and again, I don't mean to call anybody out, but I, I get that people like, uh, you know, Latinos and Latinas and Spanish and it, it, they're Puerto Ricans. You see all this stuff and you're kind of like, well, this isn't really how I want to be represented. Right. right. But then I don't mean – like I said, I don't mean to call anybody out, but like me being half Chinese, like the a- animated Mulan offends me to a certain way because they right. stereotype well, sure. a lot of the characters, right? But somebody that could watch like something and feel like they're not represented can go and watch something from an Asian perspective and think it's fine because that's not their perspective, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to – if you like Mulan, I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't. Just for me personally, it's was like, well, I don't want to be represented like that. It's just – when you walk in a West Side Story, there are going to be issues. You're going to be talking about stuff. This is not at the end when when Maria is singing somewhere the original, like she doesn't finish because Tony dies. Right? Mm-hmm. Their love dies. Their hope dies. But what lives is hate. She says, mm-hmm. "Hate." I can hate, hate now. Hate right? That's what's so Mm -hmm. heartbreaking because it's finally broken Maria, the most optimistic character in the whole movie, right? That's the kind of movie that this is. That's where it's going to lead to. It's a conversation starter. It's not going to solve issues. There's no way to solve any of this. And it's going to tackle these issues in ways you might not agree with. But I, and I think with the remake, watch it. Like not enough people watched it. Not enough people watched it to make Rachel, Rachel Ziegler a star. This should have been her star making performance. Right. This should have had a yeah. breakout. She should be in, you know, classic after classic instead of Shazam five, you know, that kind of thing. But even <laughs> though, she, like I've heard, she's fine in it. Right. But it's like, yeah, she's all right. Yeah, if we're gonna disagree on the point of West Side Story, it's not a happy film. You're, all the songs I have here, they're, every song except for America seems like it's ironic, or it's dark, or it's sad, or it's problematic. It's like every song is like it's not the happy, joyous musical. But there is a lot of joy in the choreography. There is a lot of joy in the camera work. So to me, it's just my favorite because of the energy and because it starts conversations. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's it's so great. So
0: yeah. Unfortunately, like you, like you said, this this remake did not do very well at the box office. I don't know no. if it's, it's. It, I, I you know I was just a couple episodes ago on this show talking about in the heights with mutual friend the lady one, mm. and uh, sh- we were also like, what's going on? Why did nobody? Why did nobody go to see this? Like it's it's the Hamilton guy that and everything. Like yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like as a Culture, I guess, we don't, there's not, the musicals are not mainstream anymore for some whatever reason, Uh, which is a a little sad because it's a very cinematic form of storytelling and it's best seen on a big screen. And it seems like Mm -hmm. the opportunities for seeing big screen musicals might be on the downturn.
1: So... It's it's sad too because it's Spielberg. Like I know that he's doing his Lincolns and his, you know, his Munichs and he's trying to be more topical and not do the blockbuster stuff. But I feel like the energy of this is in the same league, even though it's more cynical. I think it's in the same league as his Raiders of the Lost Dark or E.T. or, you know, any Indiana Jones movie or Jaws. It's in that same league. It's got that same energy and that outlook and just the yeah, just the plain cinema of it. And so it's it's sad that this is him back in his element. That we know him from and it still didn't break that barrier i guess it didn't it make a splash so yeah please watch more people should watch more of this and at least understand the, the filmmaking how great
0: yeah. it is. invest what's almost eight hours of your time watch the original watch the remake then listen to this podcast <laughs> and uh you will have done as much homework as darren and i did darren lundberg <laughs> From Cast, thank you so much for coming back to the show. This was a blast.
1: Yes, anytime. Tell
0: people where they can find you on social media.
1: Uh, again, I'm just on Twitter. Actually, we're on YouTube. If you go to at DW Lumberg on Twitter, I've got a link tree there. You can uh, find links to all our different podcasters that we're on. So you can listen to the podcast, uh, YouTube channel that we're, we're building right now. And so, yeah, we're just having a great time looking at nineties movies and, and, uh, reliving a lot of the stuff that made us movie lovers. And I, I think the people that have been guesting and the people that have been listening, I think they're feeling that joy that we're, we've had. And so, Yeah. Keep checking us out and check out our backlog. And we'd love to hear comments from you and, and suggestions and love to get you more involved. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And then on uh, on Franchise theaters, we're going to get you on there in a couple months to talk uh, Dark Phoenix. That's, Very
1: different than West Side Story. Well, we'll finally bring <laughs> us on for a movie that maybe will only last a half an hour. Every
0: maybe you, it'll just be me shaking my head and uh, my audio will just be me shaking my head and you being like oh come on it's not that bad Yeah, it's not
1: come on yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah so we are doing the x-men films over on franchise detours our sister show so people definitely check that out and uh darren will be the the a sad exclamation point at the end of that <laughs> mega series maybe we'll see how that plays out well, now I'm rethinking
1: my decisions
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it's too late too late you're locked in you're on the right. spreadsheet
1: <laughs> somebody needs Thank to you. defend that movie in some capacity
0: so I guess so <laughs> no thanks Darren welcome Big thanks to Darren Lundberg from Nostalgia Cast for coming on to discuss 1961's West Side Story and 2021's West Side Story. A really fun conversation, two movies, uh, the original, you know, a lot of us who love musicals grew up with. And the remake, I think, does a lot of a lot of things really well. Uh, I don't know for me personally if it compares to the original or if it quite lives up to it, but it's Steven Spielberg, so you know you're at least going to get some interesting choices, if nothing else. And amazing performances. Now I want to know, which of the West Side stories do you prefer? 1961's original film, original recipe West Side Story, or 2021's remake? Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table. Same handle on Instagram and via email at robert at crookettable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll be back with another discussion on another movie musical. Until then, keep watching, everybody.
1: This has been a production of crookettable.com. All rights reserved. <laughs> Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. Oh, okay, okay, okay.